Okay. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Complete Sports Media's podcast. I'm your host, Darren Campbell. And of course, coming to you on a Monday to do a great weekend wrap up of sports and a preview look ahead to the great week. Uh, Jason Cameron. Hey, buddy. How are you? Fresh off a nice weekend, I assume. Uh, yeah, no, the weekend was great. I'm doing good. Was able to see some friends of ours on, on Saturday and nice. uh, visit with them, have some dinner. It was good. It was good. That's great. Yeah, good to hear. Yeah, I had a friend in town as well. Uh, him and his girlfriend came down from Penticton and him and I go, got to go golfing on Friday. And then we went out for dinner to the keg last night down in Yaletown, a uh, rooftop patio, which was great. And uh, yeah, really good to have him in town. Um, nice to see him. He doesn't get into town too, too often. So he's here for about five days. I think I'll get one more chance to see him. We were going to go golfing tomorrow but it's supposed to be raining so uh we just kind of skipped it we'll just go for lunch instead but um yeah super great to have Corey around and getting a chance to hang out with him a bit oh that that's awesome that's cool and it's funny the one time where you want to go golfing is <laughs> the one time it's going to rain this summer that's <laughs> yeah. about it yeah i know murphy's law hey, yeah <laughs> that's always the way it's like, oh, great. Uh, yeah, we've, we've had such a long stretch. I was like, I was shocked that it was going to rain today. I was like, oh, yeah, really? Okay. I guess we need it, but it's still not really a welcome sight. No, <laughs> we definitely need it. And yeah, yeah but it, it, it's, it still feels pretty foreign. The funny thing is today with the rain, it didn't really rain that much, though, no. did it? No. <laughs> no, it's it sprinkled, and that's yeah, about it. Yeah, there's so many different terms, terminology for rain, but this was... Sprinkles a good word. Yeah, it was just very super light, but I think it's going to be, yeah, I think we're going to get a, a little bit. I just hope it pushes its way into the interior. They're getting the fires going. I heard there's a big one right outside of Kamloops that's uh, threatening a lot of homes and stuff. And then there's another one in um, maybe Terrace or something. There's a few. They, they said about 450 fires all over, but a couple that are, you know, threatening towns and cities up there so you know that's uh something we're having to deal with so much more now in the summer i i just hope they can get some rain to, to push it back oh yeah yeah definitely the rain is always uh the best thing for forest fires like all we need would be for rain for like a week straight yeah that's it done <laughs> yeah but but unfortunately the way way the weather patterns go lately because there's no such thing as global warming um yeah rain it seems to be in short supply during the summers now yeah. very short supply well unfortunately it also seems like it uh comes on in off the ocean hits our yeah. mountains dumps and then just doesn't keep going so they just they don't get it into the interior for months and then it gets so dry and they get you know they'll get a storm lightning and there'll be lightning strikes just starting fires there's obviously always stupid people, you know, setting fires and stuff out there by mistake or whatever. But, you know, it's, uh, yeah, it's something that's brutal. Uh, I actually saw Greece. Uh, they said it's the largest forest wildfire they've ever had there. They were having to evacuate people. They were, uh, you know, they were, people were just, just barely escaping with their lives, trying to get on boats and, you know, planes and holy shit. It, it was it was really brutal there. I think it was worse than anything we've ever seen here. Wow. I didn't even know that. 
Like they literally had to escape by by sea. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Wow. yeah. It was it looked pretty bad, really bad. And I guess uh, you know, many, many countries, uh, you know, Australia was devastated a couple years ago, almost their entire forest uh, burned down. And then uh I guess a lot of countries in Europe are are suffering just like we are. And you know, we're not tuned into the news on a daily basis like some people are uh you know we're more sports guys but uh um you know uh it's the words getting out that yeah global warming is really happening and holy shit uh <laughs> fires are all over the place i'm not sure what they're going to be able to do about it but it just seems like it's a uh you know yearly thing in the summer yeah it's a uh, definitely a yearly thing and you know what we are going to do something about the, the global warming you know what we're going to do we're just going <laughs> to we're going to do what we've always done. Ignore it. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I could see that happening. Yeah. That's the way we've been pretty much uh, ever since. So, um, yeah, I wanted to chat about the weekend. Uh, man, uh, uh, I guess uh, the biggest sports news, in my opinion, over the weekend was the debut of uh, Lionel Messi to uh, Miami. Uh, he finally uh, debuted there after signing the massive deal to come over to MLS. Uh, he got an opportunity in the 94th minute, uh, four minutes into extra time, uh, had a free kick, uh, struck an absolutely amazing ball that curved, bend it like Beckham, as they say, went into the top uh, left-hand corner of the net, uh, securing the win for Miami and uh the place went wild. There were so many stars there. There was so much uh, hype about it. And uh, he delivered in an incredible fashion. I saw um, Beckham wiping tears out of his eyes. He was so emotional, uh, finally getting his buddy over there. And and uh, it was, uh, to me, it was the biggest story of the, of the sports weekend. And pretty cool that he was able to score the winning goal in dramatic fashion in his debut. I thought to myself, you can't write it any better than that. No. Like, because, like, okay, so, but you're going to have to correct me if I'm wrong, because I might be. Did he get subbed in at the end just to do that free kick? Uh, not at the end. I think he came in on the, I think they said 71st minute he came in. So he was in for a little over 20 minutes uh, when he scored, but uh, okay, he wasn't starting. I think he's trying to get acclimatized to the team, to the, you know, their tactic strategy, maybe, you know, maybe he hasn't been playing for a bit. So, um, but he, yeah, he came in pretty late and uh, was able to get that though. It was pretty impressive. Yeah, no, cause I, cause I, I saw that. Right. And I go, so I guess he's not good enough to start. Okay. That's cool. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's, right. the only thing that, that's the only thing that went through my mind. I'm like, so he can't start. Oh, that's weird. <laughs> yeah, that's hilarious. Yeah, I think there were some people that were saying, "What the hell? Why is he coming off the bench?" Like, you know, nobody that's that talented does that off in the NBA. <laughs> nobody yeah. does that yeah. that talented in other sports. They, they're starting, but um, no, they they wanted to ease him in, I guess, and uh, yeah. make sure he was fresh for this push. And uh, you know, I guess it worked out. Uh, he he was yeah. in there to score that winning goal and. It was incredible to see the reaction from, from uh, you know, just so many stars and and uh, just you know the the Miami faithful that has been behind this team um, to see 
Beckham be able to, you know, bring bring this guy over. Uh, Beckham, when he signed his deal with the Galaxy, they gave him an option, a player option at the end of his career to get this expansion team. I don't know if I mentioned that last week, but oh. they, they said uh, as part of your contract to come to MLS, we will give you the first right to get an expansion team wherever you'd like. And he chose Miami. And so he is the owner of that team. And uh, they showed a Twitter post from Messi uh, when he got that announcement and when he secured Miami as the expansion team. Messi said, hey, congratulations, my brother. Way to go. Um, maybe one day I'll come and play with you and or for you. And uh, so I guess he, uh, he called him this offseason and said, okay, uh, I want to cash in on that and uh, bring you over. And uh, the details of his contract came out over this past week, and uh, it's worth $1.6 billion at today's current value. And it's, uh, it's, it's going through 2025, and he has a player option to go to 2026. Uh, it works out crazy amount of money. Um, his, his really his contract what he makes as the player is like between 125 and 150 million, but his ownership stake is currently right now worth $585 million. And the MLS, uh, you know, franchises are only getting more valuable all the time. And especially when guys like him come over and then he's also got a big portion of this Apple TV sponsorship deal that the MLS did. And he gets some percentages of their MLS sponsorships as well. So it's $1.6 billion uh, that he's expected to collect uh, by the end of this contract. It's uh, absolutely incredible. And the contract you said only goes up to 2025. It's an option to go to 2026. <laughs> so literally the contract is only two to three years. Yeah. So he makes $500 million a year. No, sorry. Well over $500 million a year. Yeah. You want to really break it down. Oh, that's 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 pretty cool. Yeah, pretty cool. <laughs> pretty cool, man. Yeah, it's uh, it's absolutely amazing, and and a lot of people were criticizing him, saying that, um, you know, why was he turning down more money uh, with Saudi Arabia, where Cristiano Ronaldo went over to Saudi Arabia and he signed a deal. His deal was, uh, I got the details here, two and a half year deal was worth about $550 million U.S. Um, and they broke it down. He gets $7.75 million a month. He gets $4.43 million a week. And he makes $633,000 a day uh, on that contract. And so he's been trying to get people to come over to the, the Saudis uh, he signed with a a, a, lead, or a team called Al, Al Nasser, and he's been recruiting tons and tons and tons of guys. He's also pulling in about $90 million a year in endorsements, and they expect that to probably double uh, by the end of this contract. It's only a two-and-a-half-year deal, and he's pulling in like $550 million. Uh, but when they suddenly showed Messi's deal, it was like, no, this is better. This is more money. He's probably... Making way more money than Ronaldo. It's uh, pretty insane. I'm I'm surprised. Yeah. I'm surprised that 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 Messi's deal is making so much more than Ronaldo's deal. Like so, like pretty much three times as much, right? Watching it, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's insane. 
it, it's absolutely insane, shocking. Um, to me, that just signifies, I guess, the Saudis don't have as much money as we thought they did. <laughs> <laughs> well, the Saudis today made an announcement. They're going after Kylian Mbappe. They're trying to pull him out of uh, PSG, Paris Saint-Germain. Uh, they are offering him uh, $776 million dollars. Uh, they have to pay Paris Saint-Germain $332 million just to get the rights to bring him over. And so it, it's working out to be a, a $1.1 billion uh, deal over, I think it's, I think it's, I think it's about three years, I think like that. So um, 1.1, maybe it's about two and a half the same as, as what yeah. uh, Ronaldo's is, but uh, Jesus, you know, just amazing money for, for these uh these soccer players these football players that are coming over to different leagues and uh the saudis uh you know they're 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 spending billions of dollars but uh it's pretty awesome to see that uh north american teams can compete with the the saudi money uh and say hey no we we want messi we got him and uh too bad for you yeah it it's it's great to see that we they can actually compete in terms of money yeah they can say oh you guys got money well, we got money too. We got money too, so we we can do the same thing. I uh, I'm curious to see what I I would imagine Mbappe's not going to take the deal, but I wonder how much it would take for him to take the deal. Yeah. You know what I mean? Where he just goes seven hundred and eighty billion is pretty good, but you know what's better? Billion and billion plus. Billion <laughs> yeah. plus. yeah, maybe. Yeah, he might be able to. Uh... Yeah, ask for more. Yeah, that would be ballsy. But uh, oh yeah, uh, I, I know. I because like all right, because like he's he's in the prime of his career right now. Yeah. So so taking him away from that to go into another league that's not as good as the league he's currently in, would it be worth it for him? Right. Yeah. Like for his legacy and everything else. Like basically for him to just go away for a couple of years into the Saudi league and be like, all right, I'm I'm just I'll give you three years of my time. Make a ton of money, yeah, and then go back. Yeah, it's strange. You're, you're right. Uh, that league is, you know, a way less league than the league he currently plays in. Um, it's just, you know, it's definitely not. Um, it's crazy because there's definitely not a lot of people that are watching that league worldwide. Uh, yeah. Maybe you know, maybe it starts drawing a lot of eyeballs there, but the quality of the league uh, throughout uh, is just, you know, a lot less, and so. You know, does his soccer skills diminish a little bit when he's playing in, you know, a poor league with a lot of poor type of players? And you're right. A legacy is important to a lot of guys. Um, you know, when you're talking about four, five, three, three, four, five, six hundred million, you know, even more or whatever. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if money's more important or legacy is more important. I guess we, we can we'll start finding out. Exactly. Like we'll we'll find out exactly what's more important. Actually, we're gonna find out what's more important for a lot of these guys coming yeah. up, because we found out with the golfers what's more important for some of the golfers, yeah, right? True. Yeah. Totally. We did. Yeah. So, well, T Tiger Woods uh, supposedly turned down seven hundred million to go over to Live Golf. That's yeah. uh, that's the figure that was thrown about, and we never heard from him on the reason why he didn't, uh, why he decided to turn down the money. Um, I heard some guys today talking on the golf channel 
and they think he turned it down because his uh, physical limitations are so great now that he just wouldn't be able to produce and he wouldn't be able to play, uh, you know, at, at the high level that he wants to because of the injuries that he suffered and things. But I don't really know if that was, you know, the case. But it would be nice to find out at one point why he turned down seven hundred million to move over there. Yeah, it would be nice to find out why he did that. I don't know if Rory's been on record to say why he didn't, why he didn't take it either. But um, no, because, look, Rory, Rory actually says they never made him an offer, and I don't, oh really? Yeah, yeah, I don't know if it's because they knew that uh, he wouldn't turn or take it already. They knew his viewpoint on on the rival league, but uh, so he says nobody ever offered him a dime. And if they would have, he would have told him to f right off. But he said, yeah. uh, n- you know, nobody ever ever came towards me and offered me a contract there. You know what? See, now if I'm Rory, I'm even more insulted. Not only now do I have to play for you guys, you never even offered me a contract. <laughs> you know, like that that that's that's like doubly insulting now. But um yeah, with 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 Tiger um just turning it down, I would super be interested in knowing why he did that. Like if yeah. there's some sort of moral thing, that's why he he felt the need not to do that. Even mm-hmm. though now as we go forward it looks like that's actually not going to be detrimental that he didn't get his money because it looks like he's going to get his money so one way or another now with yeah. the amount of the boat. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. Supposedly, the PGA is going to make right to the guys that didn't decide to leave. They're going to, you know, offer them uh, some good payouts and some ability to say thank you for sticking with the PGA Tour and stuff. And I, 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 I assume we'll hear the. Uh, details of that at some point uh, you know what kind of money they're talking about but you know when you when you're talking about guys that that level uh who knows you know if a hundred million even moves the needle in their brain uh you know a hundred million here hundred million there uh you know Tiger Woods endorsement deals have always dwarfed his salary he was always making more money off the course than he ever was on the course so um you know he did lose he did lose some, uh, you know, big sponsors and endorse, uh, you know, some big products that he was endorsing uh, through some of the, you know, scandals and things he's had. But, you know, this the guy was still pulling in hundreds of millions of dollars a year in endorsement deals. Exactly. You know, like for us, we look at that like that. That's a lot of money for him. He's like, yeah, it's kind of. <laughs> yeah. Like, like it's, it, yeah. it's not something that's necessarily going to move heaven and earth for me because I already have heaven and earth money exactly yeah i was hearing uh there was a, a poll that came out uh this past week about um social media money and who moves the needle the most there so if you endorse a product uh let's say through the kardashians or the jenners uh they're on this list and you know if they open a box and pull out a an item and say hey this is i love this thing uh, they get, you know, between a million and two million bucks just for doing that. And uh, Ronaldo is, I guess, the highest paid uh, social media influencer. If he if he holds up a product and says they like it, uh, they have to pay him two point three something million dollars just for him to just say, hey, check this out. I love this stuff and and try it out, you know, and so uh, his his Instagram following is 472 million or something like that. 
<laughs> and, uh, you know, it's just that many people he's reaching uh, anytime he touches a product. That's ridiculous. So he, he, he's got to have one of the highest, like, subscriber counts by far. on social media, period. By, like, by, by far. far. By far, by far, yeah. Because I, I, I don't I don't know of anybody else that has half a billion people following them. No. Like, pretty much. No. I don't. No, uh, I think LeBron has about 50 million. Uh, Tom Brady has, uh, I think the number was like 14 million. Um, every MLS team combined uh, has uh, like less than 18 million. And, uh, you know, so um, a guy like Ronaldo, yeah, I he appeals to men and women. And he's just, you know, just being able to push his popularity on social media, which is just astronomical. Uh, heights that I don't think anybody ever saw and ever thought that, you know, just holding up a thing saying, Hey, try this watch. Boom. Okay. That'll be two million, two and a half million dollars, please. Like that's uh, pretty incredible. I, I wonder if he, when he officially gets to 500 million, does he go, Oh yeah. By the way, the sponsorship deal is now up to five. Million. So not, <laughs> you got to do this or else yeah. I will do it. I think we talked about on the podcast, uh, like during the World Cup, when he sat down at the podium and just moved the Coke cans uh, or Coke bottles off to the side, and uh, the uh, value of the stock plummeted like a billion dollars overnight just because he did that. Which is just ridiculous because he's just like, no, I, I'm literally, I'm, it's not like I'm saying I don't like the product. I'm just moving to clear space. That's all I'm doing. <laughs> Yeah. I think that's <laughs> that's hilarious. It's insane that it could move that, you know, it could it could just create create such a change in a business just by just sliding something out of the way. It's an unbelievable. It is unbelievable. It's unbelievable that he has that amount of uh cachet now, you know, yeah. like that he that he has that amount of power, which is what all the corporations see. That's why they're willing to pay him that much yeah, from the cool. push their product. Um, I'm torn. I want to talk so much more about the weekend, but I, I, I'm excited so much about this, uh, fight that's coming up this week. So should we talk about the fight and then sort of do more of a weekend rocket wrap up? What do you think? Uh, let's do the fight. Yeah. Okay, nice. Well, we are just days away from a, one of the most anticipated boxing fights that we've ever seen in our lifetime. Uh, definitely since 2015 when Mayweather Pacquiao fought. Uh, this is something that has taken a long time to put the pen to paper and make work, but um, finally getting to see a super fight, uh, going to see Errol Spence Jr. at 28 0 with 22 KOs, fight Terrence Bud Crawford 39 0 with 30 knockouts. The two uh, meet inside the T mobile arena in vegas this weekend um all four belts are on the line uh this will be first time in a very long time that all, all four belts will be around uh one guy's uh body waist uh, shoulders and um it's something that i've been super excited for but it just started feeling like maybe it never will happen but finally, Saturday, we're going to see it. Uh, your thoughts and your excitement level of coming into this fight. Okay, because I, I like I, you know, that now that I, I think about this fight, uh, the, the fact that it even came together, 
I think there had to be a sacrifice on one of the fighters' parts. Right. Like I believe uh, Terrence Bud Crawford let go of his marketing team to go with another team wow. because they failed in making this fight happen in the first place. I see. So the new team came together and made this fight happen because he was just like, it has to happen. Like, I love the fact that he was adamant about the fact that this fight had to happen because he's not, he's not like a calculated guy, like a Floyd Mayweather, which is no. I'll only fight this guy. Once this guy's past his prime, then I know I can take him. Right. <laughs> right. Right. Because that's, that's what yeah, very smart. Yeah. Floyd was yeah. always, uh, Thinking about the money and legacy, and you know, uh, just definitely didn't want to put the uh, undefeated record on uh, to, at too much risk. Exactly right, but I like the fact that Bud is just like, no man, fights like this have to happen where we're both at our prime. Yeah. So that so that now we know exactly where we both are because once this fight happens, it's like, well, one of us is going to win and one's going to lose, but we're both going to fight when we're at our peak, at our best. Right. And that's what fans always want to see. So I'm just elated that they actually got the deal done and that the fight's going to happen and that we're going to see who is going to be at the top of the mountain when it's all said and done. Yeah. Like, and I, I would I would dare argue that whoever wins this fight, you could say, put a bow on it. They're pound for pound the best. Yeah, I, I agree. Mm -hmm. uh, I think there's... There's no way you can dispute that and just say that's it. Yeah, they've become the best boxer in the sport and uh, pound for pound. Um, they're 33 and 35. Spence is 33. Crawford's 35. That's prime. Is that prime uh, to the people that uh, don't follow boxing? You know, is is that prime still? Okay, you you could say that Bud's a little bit getting older, but at the same time, since you know both of them haven't lost. I'll yeah. say it's prime. Yeah. <laughs> right. it, might, it might be somebody's near the end of their prime, but they're still in their prime. All right. And and like again, like I said, they both haven't lost. So I'm gonna say it's their prime. And I'm going to say that this is one of the biggest fights that we've had in years. Yeah. Years. Yeah. Like, like this is about as would you say this is probably about as big as Tyson Fury, Deontay Wilder won. First time. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. I I agree. Yeah. I think it's uh you know, maybe maybe surpasses it in, in some way, uh, just because of how long it's been anticipated. Wilder um, you know, was known, I guess, locally here because he kept knocking guys out, but yeah. I don't think he was that global guy, you know, yes. like these other these two. And um, you know, Fury had went through some tough times where you weren't sure if he was going to fight again. So you weren't really anticipating it as much as we've been thinking about Spence Crawford for, you know, like four, five, six years. We've been waiting for these guys to finally get together. Yeah, that's true. We And we have been waiting for a long time. And, and then we got teased last year and then nothing really happened from it. And you're yeah. just like, all right, well, I guess. You know, this is like one of those promotion things where it's just never going to happen. And I get great. That's awesome. I, by the way, I absolutely hate it when that happens. I hate that. Oh, I hate yeah. it when the promotions can't get together because yeah. like you have beef or whatever, or they're just like, my fighter's better than your fighter. So he's got to have more money or whatever. Right. Like I, I, I hate that. I, 
Because somebody has to make a concession. Like if, if you want this fight to really happen, you want to figure out who the best is, yeah. then there has to be a concession somewhere along the lines. Because even if you, let's say this, you're the one fighter that gets paid less, all right, well, just go in there and beat him up. Sure. All right. Yeah. And, and then, and then all of a sudden, it's like, yeah. and now I, now, now I get paid, and it's like, well, guess what? I'm not going to be one that takes less next time. It's like, yeah. That. Well, that's one. You know, there are a lot of flaws in boxing. And it's one of the right. reasons why uh, you know mixed martial arts in the UFC has started to surpass boxing in in North America and many other places around the world. Uh, you know, because these super fights were always so tough to put together and by the time they usually were put together the guys were way past their prime and the the market wasn't as excited about it anymore so uh another thing with four belt era you know four belts it's watered down it's like oh who has what belt and what you know who's the guy and there's just too many weight classes too many weight divisions this one's at 147 why 147 why did boxing at some point say yeah, I think 147's welterweight. Like, like that seems like such an arbitrary, weird number. You know, UFC, you know, every weight class, every uh, category, you know, it's all established and it's well, and there's one champion. And it's just, you know, so much better than how boxing has sort of diluted itself like that. Yeah, but also, too, like, you could say, you could argue, too, the dilution of boxing has happened because... It has a longer history, yeah. right? It's got had longer time to develop because there is there's still you could say there's still a uh, a problem with MMA because I still think that between some of the weight divisions of 170 to 185, it's too big of a gap. Right, there should be actually something in between that, just like there should be something in between 185 and light heavyweight, which I believe is 215. Should be something 205. Two, 205. Sorry, yeah, 205. So. There should be something in between that too, because there's now a 20 pound difference between 185 and 205, right? right. So there, there should be something there. It's not perfect, no, but you know, like it, it, it's something that they're working on. But again, going back to the fight, I'm just glad that it's happening. I'm yeah. glad that we're going to get to see some incredible amount of violence, technical yeah. violence as well yeah. for like 12 rounds. Because I, I, I have a sneaking suspicion. This goes all twelve. I don't think any of these guys are getting knocked out, but it's gonna be it's gonna be a, like a, a battle. Yeah. Do you think Spence has any type of advantage because he's spent his entire career at one forty seven? Crawford has moved up. This is his third weight division, and uh, you know has constantly had to just keep moving up. He's captured belts in all those divisions, but. Um, you know, does Spence have an advantage just always uh, over 11 years fighting in this the welterweight 147? I think he might have a slight, slight advantage yeah. because, like, he's used to the weight, he's used to the power, he's used to all of those things, which Crawford is not. But at the same time, there's certain boxers that are able to carry their power going up divisions. A perfect example of that was Manny Pacquiao as he did his rise. Yeah. So as long as his power translates, then he should be good to go. But you never know. You never know. It's his first time fighting in the division. So you you never know how it will affect you until you're in there. Because I think even Lomachenko hit a barrier where he got to fight. I think it was Teofimo Lopez. Mm -hmm. And it was almost as if that was his barrier. 
like that weight, getting up to that weight, couldn't go past that because like that that was his limit. Yeah, yeah. Well, we've seen fighters just keep trying and trying and just not being able to fight, you know, a little bit higher than they should. You know, they're just they just can't carry that kind of weight or uh, not, the power's not there, that type of thing. So um, you mentioned uh, Mayweather Pacquiao. Uh, it's the biggest fight in history, according to pay-per-view. Uh, according to, you know, what I saw out there, I was shocked that, you know, every bar, every place, I watched it at a casino and, and I could just hear, I heard way more hype about it than I'm hearing about this one. Why aren't we hearing as much hype and as much bravado as that Mayweather Pacquiao, which was two guys that were fighting way past their prime, like two of the greatest of all time, but you know, five, six, seven years past when they should have fought. This one is two guys where you say they're in the prime. Okay. Uh, I can't believe that I'm not seeing it, hearing it everywhere. Everyone talking about it. I think it's because they don't have the the name their names are not out there like Pacquiao's and Mayweather's were cemented. Like I, I just I think it's that. Like I yeah. for boxing fans, everybody knows exactly who those two are. But for the casual fan, you may not know exactly who those people are whatsoever. Strange. Right? Yeah. But with Mayweather and Pacquiao at that point in time, because they've been boxing for so long that even the casual fan had an idea of who those two were. Sure. And I and I think that's what the difference is between that fight and this fight now. Uh, I think the glory days of the welterweight division uh, had you know the you know some of the best fighters of all time. Uh, I always I always remember the Sugar Ray Leonard Tommy Hearns battle, and it seemed to just uh, per permeate the whole entire world. It wasn't just the boxing world, like you just mentioned. It was the entire world. Everybody was looking forward to seeing, you know, Sugar Ray against a hitman. Uh, that that goes back to the 80s. In the 90s, we saw Oscar De La Hoya rise this division up super, super much. And I think the fight uh, late 90s where he fought Felix Trinidad, that's where it sort of reached its, you know, epic power of this division. Um, where do you think this fight slots into the welterweight history it should be right up there i i you know like i i think it definitely in the top 10 possibly i won't say top five yet until the fight happens because once the fight happens and the fight is absolutely magnificent a masterpiece then it goes top five right but i'll say top 10 from now because the fight hasn't happened yet but once the fight happens depending upon how both guys uh, perform, it might be a top five thing once yeah. it's all said and done. They've got an automatic rematch. It's it clause in both sides of the contract. Uh, it's automatically happened. What does that do? What is, how does that change anything for this? Does it make it, uh, does it change anything? Does having that automatic rematch change a thing? No, I, well, you know what? It, it could garner even more interest considering how this first fight goes. Like if the first fight is super close and it's a split decision and it's a split decision where anybody could have won or even maybe even better in terms of making more money for both boxers, it's a draw. Yeah. So then nothing, nothing was definitive. Yes, Not, so. Nobody, nobody got any closure. 
And then all of a sudden, then obviously you have to have another fight. Right. 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 So it depends. It, it depends. I, I think it doesn't change much, but it could excite boxers, boxing fans and other casual fans. If the first fight is absolutely like, like a, a barn, a barn burner. Right. And then the second fight, then more people will probably tune in because unfortunately they missed the first fight. So they're definitely not going to miss the second fight. Yeah. Well, I noticed that in the uh, Fury Wilder, I thought that, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, as, you know, it got going and they were able to, you know, have the the next fight and the next fight, they just, that those seemed to grow and grow and grow. You know, yeah. and you and I went out to see the the second one, and you know, I couldn't believe how big it had become. The first one, uh, I think everybody was excited. They were boxing fans, but I think, uh, you know, because Wilder had knocked him down and came close to finishing him, and then Fury was able to come back and win. I think yeah. it sort of raised the level of consciousness to the rest of the sporting world and people out there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I think that's exactly what it did. And then also, too, the people that were Wilder fans were just like, well, you almost had him. So yeah. then this next fight, you should have him now, right? right? And where Fury fans are just like, well, nobody gets up the way that guy did, like the Undertaker. So, yeah, I don't think Wilder has a chance, yeah. right? Totally. And now you have that discussion between, like, you know, fans and everybody else of who's going to do it, who's – and that's what garners interest. Yeah. Um. I'm going to ask you in a sec who you who you pick, but uh, with Spence, he has he has the southpaw style, which is always difficult. Um, he can throw punches and bunches from every angle, every range. He's got an amazing heavy jab, great gas tank, uh, amazing chin. It's been tested before. Um, he is heavy on the pressure. Uh, so I'm I'm thinking to myself, well. You know, how does Crawford uh, handle all the aspects of it? So, you know, myself maybe leaning towards Spence, but um, yourself, where where do you think uh, you're, you know, if, if I give you a thousand bucks and said you're betting, uh, where where would your money go? I'd probably lean the opposite way, bud. I'd would probably you? go towards Crawford because everything that you just mentioned, I think Crawford has the boxing IQ to negate that somewhat yeah. like everything that you just mentioned like i think he can fight you any way that you want to fight right he, yeah. he can do all of that if you want to make it nasty he, he will gladly engage you and make it nasty you want to try to fight a distance and try to pick him apart he will do that too as well and yeah. you'll find ah, this, he's a lot harder to hit than what i thought <laughs> like you know it's, it's yeah yeah i i believe he can fight spence any way that he wants. And I think, I think they'll probably both of them are going to try to fight this, this fight in many different levels and many different ways to see where they can get an advantage. Yeah. Like if, if they got to clinch up and if they can do some dirty boxing, they're going to do that. They're just going to test each other throughout the entirety of this fight. Uh, I've seen a uh, Crawford uh, employ a, a Southpaw style um, at times, but I feel like, when he switches to that side, he seems to not have as great of defense. And I think uh, he's going to try to, you know, mess Spence up with, you know, yeah. giving him a lot of different looks. Um, I just feel like, 
Um, yeah, th when he does, I think Spence might be able to shift into having that advantage where the defense isn't quite there. Uh, I've seen, you know, I, I, I feel like Crawford is, you know, one of the most incredible, most talented boxers we've ever seen on the face of the earth. The guy seems to, um, you know, just put together masterpieces every time he steps into the ring. So, you know, I'm not discrediting him and discounting him. I just, I see Spence with a lot of the pressure, a lot of the things that I've mentioned, uh, maybe getting the advantage if Crawford does switch to that southpaw style to try to change the view, change the angles, maybe, you know, the advantage might switch over. Okay, so you're not trying to discredit or no. uh, discount him, right? No. But to a certain extent, you are disrespecting. <laughs> okay, that, that's cool. I, I get it. I, get it. I understand. <laughs> um, now, now, what you just said, yes, uh, he, his, his defense might be a little bit lacking when he goes to the southpaw style. So, what do you think he's probably been working on this entire time? Yeah, of course. Yeah, <laughs> sure. Yeah. Hopefully, he's, uh, you know, yeah, sharpen that up and, yeah, spend his entire camp uh, or the last few years working on it. I, I think that would be uh, dumb if they didn't, right? Exactly, right? Like, because, like, that, that's what all the greats do because it's like, yeah. I know what I'm great at and I know what I'm weak at. So then I'll just work on my weaknesses so that my weaknesses can now be great as well. So I, I, I would imagine that he's probably worked on that knowing that that's a weakness, knowing that this could catch Errol Spence off guard. So then definitely this is what I'll try to incorporate in the fight. So that's what makes sense to me. Um, but at the same time, you know what? I really got to see it. You got to see it on that on the day. And it's, it's funny now because you have a great UFC on that night, yeah. and then you have this boxing fight on that right. night. Yeah. I, I think... Personally, for me, I think I might might have to watch the boxing this time around. Yeah, yeah, I'm leaning towards the boxing. Amazingly enough, and I was yeah. I've been hyping up this uh, UFC even before this UFC 289. I'm like, <laughs> you know, this this 292 that's coming up. Holy crap! Look at how amazing it's going to be. And uh, but you know, once I finally realized that it was happening this weekend, I thought, Jesus Christ! Uh, no, I'm sorry, it's 291. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah uh, I uh, was like, yeah, I'm, I'm more excited about this boxing fight because I've been waiting for it for years. There's not a few yeah. months, like 291. Yeah. yeah, exactly. We've been waiting for this for years. And then I'm waiting for it for long enough that I, I gave up. Yeah. I, gave, I gave up. I gave up. I, yeah. I didn't think I didn't think the fight was going to happen. I yeah. gave up on the fight only to find out. It's like, no, fight's happening. Literally this weekend. It's like, oh, that's that's amazing. So yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think we should get together and watch it. Uh, I I think that would be a good plan because um, you know I don't know of anybody else that would be as excited about it as you will. And uh, you know, it's be nice to watch uh, watch it with somebody that got a great as eye as you and somebody that's been anticipating and watching it. So let's let's make that happen somehow. Let's try to pull that off and watch it. Um, yeah. You're you're making me uh, question my pick. I don't know if I'm picking Spence. I don't know. I, I definitely didn't throw any uh, money down. But um, you know, I I love Crawford's length, his speed, his movement. Um, I just yeah, it, it's 
to me, it's one of the most difficult predictions. You know, there's a lot of times where I've been like, oh, yeah, you know, if if both fighters come to the table with everything, this guy's got the advantage, definitely. But this one, I'm I'm really, really not sure exactly what we're going to see. I honestly, I think it's as close to a pick as you get. Yeah, he is um, because whoever you decide to go with is not a bad choice. Yeah. <laughs> it's not a bad choice. So yeah. I, I just can't wait to see the fight. I can't yeah. wait to see the fight, see how it plays out, see what it looks like because these guys have been looking at each other for years now, yeah. right? Totally. And so finally they get to settle it in the ring, which I I, I absolutely love. And on top of that, they'll sell it twice. Because whoever wins or loses will just go, I don't accept that. Let's do it again. (laughs) I know. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, we're going to get to see these guys battle it twice for sure in the the next year here. And uh, it's going to be fucking awesome. Something that, um, yeah, I wasn't sure if it would ever come together. Uh, I've heard, you know, so many rumors on, who who backed off a little bit? Who can was you know willing to do some concessions? Uh, I'm looking forward to hearing more details once they finally do fight on how it was pulled together. Um, I heard that uh, somebody was um, the two fighters were actually at a Miami Heat game, and okay and. Uh, they just they sort of run into each other and they weren't like chirping each other like we normally see. And yeah. then um I I think the um CEO of CBS, his name is Les Moonves, um, decided to come in and say, Hey, is there any way I can make this fight happen? And uh he acted as a middleman and uh somehow figured it out and uh that's that's the rumor I've heard. I've heard others, but uh, this is the one that I'm I'm sort of leaning towards believing the most. Okay, well, maybe less was just like, heck, if the Saudis could do it, can I do it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. well, like, like, think yeah. about it. Yeah. Like, God, we got buddy. <laughs> I, I can I we can make this happen. Like so what? Yeah, because like, and and I would I would agree. With that like that sounds like that would make sense because he has, um, he has the reputation to bring these two guys together for me to yeah. say, all right, well, what would make you guys both happy? I'm guessing it's a lot of money, right? And yeah. they both go, yes, obviously it's a lot of money. It's like, well, what if what if we guarantee both your purses? Like, you make forty, and then you make forty, and then we fight, and then somebody makes more. Yeah, yeah. And then and then they both would probably look at each other like. I think that's pretty good. I feel pretty good. <laughs> yeah. 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 I, you know, I think I could have pulled it off. I wish I would have ran into them during that basketball game and said, all right, let's get in the room. I, I, I can do this. Okay. I, I know what you want. I know what you want. We're going to figure this out before we walk out of this room. Uh, you know, exactly. reasonable men should have been able to pull this off. Exactly. Right. Like it just, as long as you're not like asking for something ridiculous, then yeah. yes, it, anything is. You should be able to negotiate this, and both both parties should be like fine. They should be actually pretty happy with whatever the outcome is, as long as they're not feeling in any way disrespected. And as long as you get past that part, then you're gonna have yourself a fight. 
which is what they've got done now, gone and done. So the the uh, one part of this story, um, any boxing fans that are out there will remember this. But uh, in 2019, Errol Spence um, Jr. flipped his Ferrari, wasn't wearing a seatbelt, was thrown from the vehicle. Uh, a lot of speculation that he had suffered some massive serious injuries and possibly was going to die from it. Uh, luckily, he escaped with pretty minor injuries, which really stunned everybody. And, uh, you know, really, at the time, uh, I thought, oh, damn, that's ne- that fight's never going to happen, and it should have. And uh, luckily, you know, somebody was smiling on him enough to, you know, let him escape without uh, serious injuries, and he was able to recover and continue this amazing boxing career. Yeah, yeah, he, he got super lucky. Like, especially when you heard that he wasn't wearing a seatbelt. Like, for me, I'm like, well, if he got ejected through the, like, the, like through the windshield, which probably could have happened or did happen, because I don't know the exact things what happened. But you go through the windshield, you can break your neck. Yeah. Or then when you go through the windshield and you hit something else that's like out there, <laughs> yeah. then you can just destroy your body. So he got so lucky that he got thrown from the vehicle and then he was probably able to walk away under his own power. Like, what are you talking um, about? Yeah, you it's incredible. incredible. Yeah. Uh, the only thing that uh, I remember hearing about was that he got all his teeth knocked out. I'm like, well, that's good for a boxer. You know? <laughs> yeah, that's not a big deal. <laughs> that kind of doesn't matter much. Yeah. And then when he had his uh, detached retina in 2021, he was supposed to fight uh, Manny Pacquiao. And then they uh, realized that uh, that fight couldn't happen because of uh, his retina getting detached. That's always super serious with with boxing and, you know, career threatening there, too. So, you know, he's had had to overcome uh, a ton of stuff to make this fight ever get together. Yeah, he's had to overcome quite a bit. Uh, And luckily, he has overcome quite a bit so that we can now have this fight happen. Yeah. Yeah. Can't wait. It's going to be fun. We'll have to do it Saturday, figure out a way. So, uh, okay, we started off the show talking about uh Messi with Miami uh locally here the white caps were playing in the it's called the league's cup they were uh playing against the defending champion league's cup champs uh they're called leon they are from mexico uh the white caps uh, put up a good show they were up 2 to 1 at some point uh cordova had scored both goals uh unfortunately gave up the game tire late in the, the match, and then the the uh, it ended up uh, going into a shootout. And they had the longest shootout in any professional soccer history from what, what they've been saying, uh, 19 rounds of, sh- of a shootout. Uh, it's only supposed to go five, and then boom, you get a winner. But uh, they kept tying, kept scoring, scoring, scoring. Uh, Leon ended up uh, winning it. They, they scored 16 out of the 19 chances. The Whitecaps only got 15, and they won it. Uh, it was insane watching it, man. Oh, my God. You couldn't believe it. Like, so much drama. Um, they, they're they only allowed to uh, have guys to take the shootout that are on the field when the play finishes. So they got 11. Even the goalies shot against each other as the, the 11th guy. And then they had to start a game from the, the opening order. Um, yeah, it was one of the neatest things I ever saw. So much drama and 
I couldn't believe it just kept going on and on and on and on. And it was here, right here in our town. It was pretty neat. That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool that that actually happened here in BC. Yeah. What, what, so uh, now as a trivia question, you know, we come up. It's like, what's, what's yeah. the, where was the like, uh, the soccer game with the longest shootout? It's like, oh, no, it was right here, back over BC. Yeah. Um, that is awesome. I because I know for I I definitely have never heard of that before. Sixteen, what did you say? Nineteen rounds. Nineteen rounds. Nineteen. Yeah. Yeah. It wow. Was, it was awesome to watch. Yeah. Uh, Lorraine wasn't as happy because uh, she was uh, wanting to watch a movie, and uh, it was like what another another one, another one. It was totally amazing. Uh, so, but I was thrilled. Uh, the following night, the BC Lions had a home game against the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Uh, improved their record to five and one uh, atop the Western Conference. Um, unfortunately, they lost their number one quarterback. He went down with a uh, knee injury and looks to be out for a while. Vernon Adams got hurt. Uh, the backup, Dane Evans, came in. Wasn't very good. Uh, got to give him a pass because uh, he wasn't expecting to play, obviously, but they did actually pull out a win. It was ugly, 19 to 9, the score was, but uh still rolling along, Lions. Uh hopefully Vernon is not out too too long, uh, or that could really ha hamper them. But nice to see BC plays um, you know, full for the Whitecaps, then full for the Lions. Uh big weekend under the big top there in downtown. Yeah, that's cool. And that's cool that um, the Lions are uh well five and one, so they're off to a blistering start. Hopefully they can keep that up until their number one quarterback comes back into play. Yeah. And um, uh, what, what, what's the second string guy's name? Adams? Evans. 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 Yeah. So hopefully Evans can keep the ship afloat until yeah. the other guy can come back. Let's hope. Yeah. Uh, another big weekend down in Seattle, uh, the all-star game and the festivities <laughs> there last weekend, this weekend, the blue Jays uh, entered town last year. You were there enjoying the the blue jays and mariners they packed the house again uh there was maybe ten thousand mariners fans and about thirty five thousand blue jays fans and uh it was great to see unfortunately for jays fans mariners won the first two games the jays ended up stopping the sweep from happening yesterday and pulling out the victory but uh great i watched all the games and uh really great to see so much support down there and it's fun. You you had a blast when you went down there, right? Oh no, I I absolutely had a blast and ended up meeting people that we knew from here down there, nice. and uh, it was it was it was quite the party. It was quite the party. It was a great time, and um, uh, the the Mariners uh, baseball field still as great as what it once was, even when I went there a decade ago. Yeah, still fantastic. Yeah, it's fantastic. Yeah. Uh, Taylor Swift played there on Sunday night. So uh, massive, massive crowd down at Lumen Field uh, right next to uh, T-Mobile Park there. And uh, yeah, it was an incredible amount of things. I heard that not one hotel room was available. No Airbnbs. The whole entire place was filled to the brim over the weekend there. So it must have been a great party down there. Oh, yeah. It would probably be awesome. Awesome. Actually, now that I think about it, one of my good friends went down there because his uh, his his wife is a huge Taylor Swift fan. So they made the boast of both worlds, best of both worlds. She went to the concert. 
he went and saw the Blue Jays game. Oh, perfect. Wow. Yeah, that's a good compromise. Uh, it's not bad. It's not nice. bad. Wow. Yeah, that must have been a fun, fun time down there. Uh, right now, uh, one of the biggest uh, things in, in the world of soccer is the Women's World Cup taking place in Australia, New Zealand. Uh, Team Canada played their game the other night and unfortunately had a a nil-nil draw against Nigeria, who they were expected to beat. Uh, my sister, my uh, brother-in-law, and my niece and nephew were at the game in Melbourne, Australia. Uh, they were sending me pictures and uh, texting me. Uh, I was very thrilled and excited they were able to be there, waving their flags for Canada. And uh, it wasn't against Australia, so they could cheer for Canada. And uh, I really wish Canada would have won. Uh, the captain, Christine Sinclair, the local girl from here, she had a penalty uh, shot attempt uh, in the second half. And unfortunately, she uh, the goalie guessed right, dove oh. to her left and saved the, the shot on Sinclair and uh, they were unable to score. Uh, I was just blown away how it would have been incredible to see Sinclair score. She's the highest scoring women uh soccer player in the history of the sport and uh it would have been so fitting for her as the captain and leading canada into another world cup like this to score but unfortunately she didn't um they play this wednesday against ireland and uh next monday against australia so hopefully they're uh, keeping at it uh hopefully they can get some victories but um yeah it's starting to become very big news around here and uh hopefully they can do one better than the men did uh, in the, the World Cup recently as well. Yeah, ho hopefully they can do that. And kind of surprised, though, I didn't know that Christine Sinclair was still playing. I thought she had retired. No, yeah, 40, <laughs> I believe 41, I think now. So, um, you know, most uh, most athletes <laughs> do retire at that age. But, uh, you know, she's still contributing heavily, captain of the team, and, uh, and most, you know, the most decorated Canadian female soccer player from here too. Good to see that she's still at it. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's great that she's not retired. Um, you know, she's still going, going strong. Well, yeah, and also too, it's it's good for all the younger uh, players on the team that they can gain from her wisdom and her knowledge. So that is a good thing. Uh, in the world of golf, uh, they had the Open Championship over in England and Liverpool. Uh, Brian Harmon ended up winning. He had the lead after Friday's round, uh, was able to continue it the whole weekend. He ended up winning by six shots. This is an uh, American guy uh, who's only five foot seven. He looks really small when you see him on on TV when he's playing. He doesn't uh, he doesn't hit it the the shortest among all the guys, but um, he's still very accurate. Maybe sh pretty short, but uh, very accurate shots. Great on the green, around the greens. Was able to get a $3 million check for the win. Was able to get a lot of exemptions. Capture this trophy. His fir his first major, only his third win in his career. His career has is, is been around about 10 years. Uh, and then the top amateur was a uh, young guy from Georgia who was six foot eight, And uh, they always <laughs> honor the top amateur after the uh round and after the championship they bring out the top amateur give him a trophy and then they bring out the champion 
and uh, they were standing next to each other, and you're just like, holy cow, this is amazing to see the difference in size between these two guys. But uh, you can't measure a guy's heart. Uh, you can't measure his uh, will to win, and he pulled off this victory, and it was life-changing, an amazing victory for him. Yeah. Um, was he Was he quite far ahead on the scorecards when he won? Yeah, six shots. Yeah, he won by six. Yeah, yeah because uh, I, I think I remember hearing this. And then uh, some brought uh, some analysts saying that, well, you know what? He could come back to the field. <laughs> but I'm sure in his mind, it's like, I don't think so, man. I, I feel pretty good today. I, I don't think I'm coming back to the field. Actually, I think I'm going to put a stamp on it. Nobody has a chance. Yeah. Yeah. There was a really amazing uh, exchange in the post-fight press conference or the post-game press conference. And he said uh, – Somebody uh, chirped him uh, after oh. Saturday, and the guy yelled out, Hey, Harmon, you don't got the stones for this. And he looked <laughs> over at the guy, and he was like, Oh, yeah, I'll prove you wrong, buddy. <laughs> and he said it just fueled him. It just made him go, Yeah, I'll freaking show you who's got the stones. And, and uh, yeah, there was a couple times when he got some bogeys, and he came back a little bit towards the field, but – he would follow it up with a birdie immediately and just keep up there and uh, was able to just blow away the field on Sunday. It was ugly there. It was raining super bad. Saturday was raining really heavily. It was blustery and not fun golf to play in. And uh, he just kept his head down and just kept playing. And, and uh, yeah, good on him. It was awesome to watch. Uh, um, you know, didn't have the drama like a lot of people like where it's, you know, neck and neck between a lot of guys. But uh, nice to see a, a guy emerge like this and get this career defining win. Yeah, get a career defining win in elements like that. Yeah. And, and also just to, to shut up his detractors at the same time. It's like, well, because like now he could actually say, what what if the weather was actually good? You know how much more I would have I beat everybody by? Everybody, yeah. <laughs> no kidding. Yeah. yeah, he's got that in his pocket too. Yeah, that's funny. Mm -hmm. he, he, I wish he would have said that. <laughs> would have been fun to hear. Yeah. Uh, the F1 happened on the weekend. Uh, they were in Hungary. Uh, I couldn't believe I saw uh, Terry Crews there. I saw Michael Strahan. I saw a whole bunch of celebrities in Hungary. You know, it was kind of wild uh you know cheering on um cheering on the guys and and uh lewis hamilton has become a you know very big favorite among these guys um terry cruz mentioned how much he's excited about the f1 going to vegas later on this year that happens in november uh, mid-november and uh yeah so anyway it was a great great uh spectacle there uh lewis hamilton ended up winning the poll really surprisingly immediately first lap he gets passed by three guys ended up in fourth place but uh max verstappen won he won by 33 seconds at the end just blew the field away uh it was the 12th straight win for the red bull racing team that set an all-time record no racing team has ever won 12 races in a row um his him and his uh teammate have won all 11 races this year He's won nine. The other guy, Perez, has won two. And uh, Red Bull's just crushing everybody. Not even close. People are saying it's boring, but it's it's pretty awesome to set all-time records and see, you know, dominance like this. I think it's something that people will remember 
forever just because they have got this 12th win. And, and I think they have the capability of winning every race in this entire season. I, I think it's a real, real possibility. Has that ever happened? Has that ever happened where one team has won every single race for the entire season? Yeah, I heard that uh, McLaren had pulled that off one year. Yeah, they won all. I think it was only 17 races back then. I think now yeah. it's up to 24, I believe, so, or 22 or 24. So, yeah, it's um, it, it has happened once before, but uh, long ago and, and, and on a 17-race schedule, like I say. Okay, so so the, the possibility is there. Yeah. And so that just means that every other team needs to step their game up. Yeah, because totally. it's like because like Red Bull's smashing you guys right now. You know, like they're making it so that it's not a competition. So if you want it to be a competition, you guys got to step your game up. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah. They're really throwing down the gauntlet and saying, hey, come on, people, uh, get it, get with it because we're kicking your ass. And uh, it must be fun to be part of that team because. Oh, yeah. So dominant. Uh, like It's like half a second. Every lap, Max Verstappen's better than everybody, and it's uh, it's pretty in- impressive. Um, you mentioned uh, going to see Mission Impossible on last week's podcast, so I rushed out this weekend, was able to check it out. Um, I give it about an eight and a half out of ten. I thought it was awesome, uh, action packed. It actually have a, a lot of funny moments too. I, the entire audience was laughing at times. Um, I can't believe a guy sixty one years old is doing stunts like that uh it just blows your mind and and you think why do you do it and then you watch a movie like that and then you think that's why because everybody's gonna be like the guy actually does those stunts for real you know uh it's uh unreal amazing they just keep pushing that envelope farther and farther and and when i looked it up his age to just say how old is this guy again 61 i'm like holy crap that is even that much more impressive it, it is. It is super impressive that he's able to do these stunts at his age. And he just, it just, he makes it look so good. <laughs> so good. And actually just so much like a professional stuntman would make it look like, like almost effortless. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, but the one thing I did love about the movie, I'm not going to give away too much here, but I did love the AI component of the movie. I loved how they introduced that. And I loved how they just said, basically said, so this thing's a problem now. Yeah. <laughs> like, like in yeah. my mind, I've always thought, what would happen if we had a rogue AI, an AI go rogue? Right. Yeah. That movie. Yeah. That's yeah. the movie. <laughs> well, I, I, I've heard that some AIs have gone rogue in the last little while, and the humans were able to just say, okay, shut it down. It's thinking a little bit more than we wanted it to. It's doing things that we didn't tell it to do or, you know, ever thought that they would figure out. So, yeah, yeah but, uh, yeah, it's, it's a, you know, it's a future problem in a way, but it's presently <laughs> too. So, you know, yeah. it's good when a movie can bring in, you know, those two elements to something that we really got to worry a little bit about. Yeah, yeah, it's it's even better when that movie's like, no, no, this is how bad it can actually get. <laughs> this is how bad it can get. It's like, yeah. oh, that's terrifying. Hopefully, that doesn't happen within the next year or two or, or five. Hopefully, yeah. Fingers crossed. <laughs> I I kept thinking about Simon Pegg and uh, him being able to be in all these movies. Just a goofy English guy that was in some funny English movies back in the day. Probably the most hilarious 
um, zombie movie with Shaun of the Dead and just, you know, really weird movies. And then he ties his his career to Tom Cruise and he's in these massive blockbusters. It's uh, it's pretty wild to see such a crazy meteoric rise from a, a guy you just wouldn't have expected to be, you know, one of the key roles in a in this action uh, series, you know, incredible. Yeah, it's, it is incredible because... I, I believe Simon Pegg, like, he's a funny dude. So he, he's kind of like, well, as long as Tom is still alive after doing all these crazy stunts, I'm going to still keep making money. Hopefully he never gets hurt or, or you know, like, tragically dies. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. it's just like, because, like, you know, some of the some of the stunts he does. Like, I remember the one stunt to the Mission Impossible where he was hanging outside the 747, which... Right. By by the way, I believe that's the craziest stunt I've ever seen in my life. Right. That actually somebody that's a named actor said, "I, I want to do that." It's like, "Let you freak out your freaking mind? Yeah. No, you're not gonna do that. No, you're not gonna do that." <laughs> it's insane. It's insane. Yeah, it's Very insane. insane. Right? So like, and he has, and he can do that, and he does it well. So if if I'm smart, like Bing Rames and Simon Pegg, I'm just like, "Hey man, we'll roll with you until you know you." As long as you're still breathing, we're we're with you. <laughs> we're, with yeah. you. we're in, yeah. Just, just keep it up. Don't die, please. Don't die. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I I was torn. I you know, once you recommended Mission Impossible, I was, you know, it was on my list, but I was also also uh, thinking of seeing Indiana Jones. I really want to see that one as well. And I thought those two movies would dominate the box office, but they did not. Uh, do you know what the top two movies at the box office this weekend was? Uh, I'm just going to guess Oppenheimer and Barbie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Barbie. What are they calling it? Barbie Hammer weekend. Uh, <laughs> Barbie pulled in $155 million this weekend. But the top one, uh, Oppenheimer was second at, uh, I think it was $90 million or... Uh, let me see. I think I wrote it down. Yeah, I think they were 90 million. So uh, weird, crazy, bizarre. Um, I think I'm interested in seeing Oppenheimer, but Barbie, like, can you believe that it was that massive? Uh, no, because, well, obviously, like, you know, we're us, right? <laughs> Although I, I did, I did for a second there think to myself, it's like, Maybe he was having a hard choice between Mission Impossible and Barbie. I don't know. Maybe, maybe, maybe that's what it was. Yeah, but, right. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, I, you know what? So many people grew up with Barbie. Like yeah. so many, so many of our now, you know, like you could say our significant others' wives would probably want to see something like that, yeah. especially with the fact that who, who's in it? What's the the male? Ryan Gosling's in it. Right. Like I, I had my one friend in his. In his his, his wife was just like, I got to see that. And I go, you got to see Ryan Gosling? She goes, yes. And then he just rolled his eyes and was like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He, he brings in the women. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah, that's hilarious. Yeah. Yeah, well, um, that was the big uh, story of the box office outside. But um, there was also a lot of anticipated movies uh, that you could watch from home. And the biggest one for me was underrated and it was underrated no matter how much it was underrated the story of steph curry uh amazing movie i i watched it over the weekend and uh so great to see 
they tied it back so much to his early days, to his Davidson days, and you know, coming even into the league, how many people have doubted this guy and you know, at every turn just said, no way, he can't, he can't do it. He doesn't have it. No way. And and uh it was so neat to see so many doubters proved wrong and this movie was great i recommend it to everybody out there it doesn't matter if you're a basketball fan or not such an awesome awesome documentary uh where did you see it on netflix it's on apple tv plus and steph said that because he wants everybody to see it he's making apple tv plus free for everyone for two months what yeah you can you can, you can do that yeah Wow, that's that's quite the amount of power that he has. That's pretty cool. Yeah. I've never even heard of anybody being able to do that for any sort of streaming service. Say, by the way, I want people to see this, so make your stuff free for two months. You got it, Steph. Yeah. Because <laughs> uh, we have Apple TV, but I wasn't thinking that we had the Plus. I wasn't sure because there's there's Paramount, Paramount Plus. There's You know, they all got these Pluses, and I – we have some of the pluses. We have some of them not. And, and I was yeah. like, do we have plus? I, I can't, couldn't remember. And then yeah. I turned it on and then plus came up free. You got it. Boom. And I'm like, okay, cool. Great. And then I heard that Steph had said, no, you're making it. You're making it free for everybody or you're not. I'm not putting it on your service. And so they said, okay, well, that's what we're doing. Oh, wow. That's pretty cool, man. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. Very awesome. How long is it? How long is the movie? Um, I, I feel like about an hour and a half, something like that. Okay. Um, yeah. Regular, regular length. Uh, speaking of basketball, I went to see some street ball tournament this uh, weekend in Richmond. Um, it's the 36th annual. Uh, they missed a couple of years because of COVID, but uh, 36 years they've been running. It's called the Dolphin Classic uh sponsored by a huge amount of big name sponsors across the lower mainland here and uh it attracts all the local ball players um it was originally two rival richmond high schools that competed against each other and it's grown into something much much bigger uh we went early in the day left came back uh it was super packed there and uh attracted a ton of local talent um it was it was fun and i'm glad we went uh have you attended before jason have you ever been long time ago like okay. when i when i say a long time ago i mean like 20 years ago oh wow because okay. like, like it, it's it's been going on for a long time yeah. uh and then i've heard so many legendary stories i know that steve nash has been in part of the dolphin classic i believe jamal crawford's been a part of the dolphin classic there's been some nba players that have run through there for sure. Yeah, no, it was great. It was a lot of fun. Uh, there, there was a couple things that bugged me a little bit. They had a, a three-point uh, shootout contest, and about three, maybe three of the competitors came out and uh, took the contest in flip-flops, and I was oh. like, what the hell? Like, why would you just not put on normal shoes? Like, you're not going to win in flip-flops, buddy. Like, what are you doing here? Uh, that was pretty weak. Uh, for some reason, a girl entered and she didn't even hit the rim once. <laughs> so that was, uh, that was pretty bad. I was like, uh, you just wasted everybody's time here. What the hell was that? Um, 
But other than that, uh, you know, I really liked how many people came out, how many people wanted to see some local basketball. I've been starved for basketball, and, you know, it was nice to get a bit of a fix this weekend, even though there was a few things that were bugging me, but uh, all in all, it was pretty good. That's good. That's good. I, I, I know what you mean by being starved for basketball. It was nice that um, got to see some of the NBA Summer League because that, that kind of tided me over for a little bit. I did not know that the Dolphin Classic was on this weekend. That would have been nice uh, to check that out. Was that on Saturday? Was that just, just this past Saturday? Was that when that was on? Or uh, Sunday? No, I think it just all took place on Sunday, just yesterday. Yeah, I think it was okay. all, all yesterday. Um, right. Yeah, I, I just think it was a one-day thing, yeah. Okay, so Sunday. Say, okay. And then if, if I had known for Sunday, I would have been torn. Want to know why? Because Sunday, I actually went over to my cousin's place for dinner. Okay. So I would have had to pick basketball or dinner. <laughs> right. I think I know where I would have gone to. Yeah. Food. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to go with food. <laughs> yeah, I, I figured so. Yeah, you're usually <laughs> right in there for dinners uh, when they're cooked for you. So, yeah, yes. I probably couldn't have torn you away to some basketball over food. And, and on top of that, you know what I did remember to do? My favorite thing whenever I go over to a person's place. I had my Tupperware. Good, good. Nice. So I have dinner in the fridge right now. Too. Oh, good. Smart. <laughs> yeah, I gave you some Tupperware to uh, do, utilize that. I, so. I used it. I used it. That's the oh, one I used. Nice. Yeah. Awesome. All right, good. I'm glad my <laughs> gift keeps on giving. That's nice. <laughs> yes, it does. Yes, it does. You know me so well. <laughs> good, yeah. Um, one final NBA note for me, uh, the NBA Board of Governors approved the sale of the Charlotte Hornets, uh, ending Michael Jordan's 13-year tenure as a majority owner of Charlotte. Uh, I didn't realize this, but he is staying on as a minority owner. So, um, yeah, I'm not sure what percentage. I didn't get that information, couldn't find it, but, um, that, that surprised me, but, uh, I'm happy about that a bit. I, I'm happy too. I'm, I'm happy that he's not completely out of the ownership business. Like yeah. he still has a little piece, even though it's not as big as a piece that he wants to add. He still has something, so that's good. Yeah. Uh, my final note on just news and notes. Uh, I went to a comedy club on the weekend. Uh, saw a great comedian. His name is Darius Bennett. Uh, talked to him, and he's going to be a guest on a podcast coming up uh he's an la guy but he's on a western canada tour right now so i'm going to try to get him between some tour dates probably in the middle of next week so um yeah stay tuned for that uh, hilarious guy jason look him up darius bennett man the guy was he had us all laughing the entire time uh really witty really funny and and uh big up-and-coming comedian i think Nice, nice, man. I, I'll, I'll, I'll be sure to try to tune into that and uh, check them out. Yeah, nice. Do so. Yeah. Okay, let's uh, get some UFC action. I've been wearing this UFC shirt. Uh, usually, we start off the UFC uh, or you know start off the podcast talking about the UFC. This one we're putting it near the end. But um, okay, so while when I'm watching this, this is early. Did you watch it live? Oh. I watched okay, so because I missed the morning part, so like I missed the prelims, so I watched that on Sunday. Right. I so I did watch 
four four fights from the main card, starting okay. from uh, the ZM uh, fight. Okay. Uh, on yeah, so okay. I, that's what I was able to see. Okay. Well, it was early. You know, early early watching UFC when it's overseas like this is a little tough. Uh, hard to sort of get the juice is flowing really, you know, be as excited about it. Uh, but there has been so many great cards in that from the O2 arena lately. So many great cards from London. Uh, you know, there's been such a meteoric rise from, uh, you know, uh, Tom Aspinall, Patty Pimblett, Molly McCann, so many good uh, UK fighters that I was really starting to anticipate it. And after being at USC 289 here in Vancouver and all the, Canadians that did well and sort of started getting that crowd into it. I thought, okay, this is a must see for me and I got to watch it live. Um, you know, I was a little bit, a little bit disappointed. Maybe, I don't know if it was just because of the morning or way too many decisions, but it just really wasn't delivering what I was hoping for. Um, really good result for the UK fans and Tom Aspinall in the final uh main event but um uh, there was a lot where i was like ah you know i was i was anticipating it to be a little bit better oh uh, you know what it, it was a hard thing to follow up like like yeah. if it was going to be it was going to be better right because before that what was the what was the one before that okay because you're probably still thinking of ufc 290 where you had four fights yeah. done within the first minute all right like right. there's still a hangover from that yeah i myself i thought that you know what it wasn't bad so to speak Good. and and a lot of the uk fighters really showed out and 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 did well yeah but you are right there was a lot of decisions but for like let's say the most important decision for the main event well that that did not go to decision. That that was actually pretty quick. Yeah, Tom Aspinall, you know, for him to fight exactly one year away from a really brutal knee injury, to be able yeah. to be that main event again and fight a tough guy who's you know top ten fighter in the heavyweight division coming back from such a horrific injury. Uh, great to see him just steamroll him and and take him out and and put himself you know, into that upper echelon now of guys that might be fighting for a belt within the next year. So uh, good on him. Great, uh, great way to finish this, this card for the UK fans and an amazing result for his career. Yeah. It, and he looked absolutely fantastic. It looked like his knee was completely healed. Yeah. Um, like his lateral movement, just his movement period. That's what told me in my, Oh, that well, looks like he didn't rush back unnecessarily right. like he, he's he's good to go and just he just wiped Tabora out like it wasn't close no. it was it was, wasn't he never, close he never he even absorbed he never even absorbed one strike he did not yeah. absorb one punch one kick right. uh, Nothing. he threw some kicks too which was great to see off a guy coming off a knee injury uh yep. just steamrolled him and absolutely just crushed him um great to see him and you know perform so well and you know, there's always question on, you know, okay, we've seen him fight this competition. He's been good. This competition, he's been pretty good. But, you know, now he's stepping up. Is he going to be that great? Fights Blades, and you're wondering, you know, can he handle Blades, who is such an amazing guy at taking people down and submitting them and 
And, uh, you know, boom, he was out of that fight just immediately. So you're like, huh, okay, well, what's going to happen? He was just, you know, much better fighter in this one. At Tubora even dropped 15 pounds from his last fight to this one. So you expected, you know, he'd be light on his feet. But the movement that Aspinall was employing was impressive for a guy his size. And, uh, you know, coming off that injury, uh, yeah, he looked dynamic in every way he could. Yeah, he did. He looked absolutely dynamic in every faucet. And he made Tabora look like he was stuck in mud. Yeah. Like, like it, it, he just made him look like he was super slow. And even with the fact that he lost the extra weight, I'm like, well, as I'm watching the fight, I'm like, that did you no good. No. Because you're still super slow. Yeah. <laughs> From what I saw in the fight. Yeah, like, it's yeah like, totally. But so, uh, so Aspinall ended up calling out the winner between Cyril Gaon and Sergey Spivak. Uh, smart move? Yes. Yeah. I, I, I believe that's very, very smart move. Because the way that he's looking at it is like, all right, Gaon and Spivak are going to fight. Doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to be the next fight to fight John Jones. So now that he said it that way, now it's almost like he's kind of subtly manipulating um, um, the the UFC into saying you shouldn't give whoever wins that fight necessarily the next fight to fight the champ. You should get me in there, and I don't think he's wrong in even saying that. Like because okay. to me that makes sense. Get me in there to fight whoever wins that fight. Then we fight, and then whoever wins this fight fights John Jones. And I think he's right. I yeah. think he's absolutely right. I I think personally, I would have said I want the winner between Jones and and uh, Stipe Miocic. Uh, you know, I I think that's what I would have called out. But you know, maybe he wants one tune-up fight before you know, so he's totally ready. Uh, the weird thing is, I've heard the UFC start to talk about uh, both. Uh, Stipe and John Jones being this their last fight, their retirement fight. So uh, I'm not sure if that's the case. Uh, you know, we've heard rumors about Stipe making uh, last few fights his last fight, and Jones has been, you know, threatening retirement for years. So I'm not sure, but uh, it was an interesting call. Of, uh, I heard other people clamoring today for him to fight uh, Sergey Pavlovich, who's on an amazing rise as well, but. I think that's a little more dangerous. Yeah. Know? <laughs> you know, so, you know, maybe this was the perfect call out. Yeah, I think it was. Because, like, I, and it, you could say that it's calculated, right? Because if I'm Aspinall, I'm like, I'd rather fight one of those two than Pavlovich. Right. Easy. Like, like that, that's, that's an easy no brainer. I'd rather fight one of those two than Pavlovich because, you know, as long as I keep climbing up the ladder, anyways, I'll eventually fight, I have to fight Pavlovich at some point in time. I just yeah. don't have to fight him right now. Right. Okay. Uh, the fans weren't as happy after this one. The co-main event uh, had Molly Meatball McCann against uh, Yulia Stoliarenko. Uh Yulia came in not the greatest record, 10 and 8, uh, two, two draws. Uh, Molly had impressed the living hell out of that London 02 crowd with two spinning elbow finishes that were as spectacular as you can get. And, um, you know, Molly was the, the big favorite here, but um, Stoliarenko loves arm bars. She loves employing them. She loves slapping them on and she loves twisting arms and nearly breaking them off. Uh, unfortunately, uh, I think 
Unfortunately, Molly McCann is uh, very seriously hurt from this one because the the armbar didn't get pulled off soon enough after she tapped. And um, yeah, it was it was tough. Uh, but you know, she should have stayed away from the, any possibility of it. She didn't. She got caught and she lost. Yeah, yeah. She she like slowly got that takedown in the round one. And then McCann looked like she was actually about to reverse out of it, but slowly, uh, Julia still had a had a grip on her arm, yeah. and so what? Right when she thought she had escaped, she didn't, and then she got arm barred. Yeah. And the, the funny thing is, as I'm watching her tap, I'm like, "Where's the ref?" <laughs> yeah. Because like you can see her desperately trying to tap, yeah. and it's just like, "Oh man, it's too late. Your arm is broken." Like, I don't know if her arm did break, but uh, when you saw, like, the slow replay, I'm like, hmm, it's kind of bending pretty far, so I don't know. And she yeah. didn't didn't have the guy raise her arm whatsoever. She kept it close to her, so there was definitely damage done there on that. Yeah, arm. oh, she was, she was favoring it badly. She looked like it was in a lot of pain, and she was not moving it. She was very deliberate and keeping it tight to her side. Uh, no. she was in a lot of pain and, uh, you know, hopefully it's not broken. Hopefully, uh, you know, she can recover. Uh, she did make an announcement <clears throat> today that she's dropping down to the 115 pound straw weight division. She's decided that's her next move. And, um, <clears throat> we'll see if that's the, the right call for her, but, uh, yeah, that was, um, uh, an announcement today. Well, maybe she feels that she'd just be stronger at that lower weight division. Um, obviously, it might be a lot harder for her to get down to because she's going to have to pay more attention to her diet. She's going to have to drain out more water, you know. And then once she gets down there, she might she might realize I can actually keep this up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll we'll and we'll see. Yeah, Jason Herzog wasn't in the ideal position there. Oh, he came in too late. And, you know, I really like Herzog, and I think he does a great job. But sometimes you just end up being on the wrong side of things. And you were right. They, they they were in this position, then they were in this position, then they were in that position. And he suddenly ended up on the wrong side. Um, but, yeah, those, those arm bars are no joke. Nine out of her – or ten out of her 11 wins have been by arm bar. That's incredible. Uh, we used to see that with Ronda Rousey back in the day, but 10 out of 11 wins by armbar. It's just I, I, unreal that, you know, everyone knows that what she's going to do, but they can't seem to stop it when she wins. Yeah, no, she's got, like, I guess she's got a, a lot of Ronda Rousey in her because you always knew what was going to happen. It was just up to you to stop it from happening. Yeah, yeah. So, I, I, I'm just, I'm blown away when somebody's that much of a specialist and you know most people just do not know how to figure out how to how to stop it on her and you know she had come in uh she had lost four out of five so you know you're thinking okay this is a smart move for molly finding a girl that's really you know not uh not on a good streak and uh you know she should be able to just stay away from arm bars and and take this and no was not able to and it takes the loss we'll see molly I, I would say in a few months, uh, she's probably going to be off for about four or five months, and then we'll see her maybe next, late at the end of the year or next year in the strawweight division, see what that does for her career. Um, the fight, the featherweight fight between Nathaniel Wood and Andre Touchy-Feely, 
Uh, great battle. Wow. I love seeing these guys fight. Uh, was really impressed. Um, Feely's just so much taller and, uh, you know, was trying to utilize that, uh, length advantage, but, um, he, he gave Wood a amazing shot in the second round, almost took him out. Both guys were almost taken out a few times during this yeah. fight. And it was a, it was a really, really impressive fight. Yeah. Because I believe Wood dropped Feely with a huge right in the first round. And then I think Feely dropped Wood in the second round. And then Wood dropped Feely again in the second round as well. Yeah. And then the third round, they were actually cautious. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they actually kind of held up on each other. I love this fight. I love this fight because it was it was like your classic because I Feely was the bigger fighter. Yeah. So like physically bigger, possibly uh, stronger. But Wood was the faster fighter. He was much quicker with his strikes and stuff. It was a fantastic fight. I I gave Wood just the slightest, the subtlest of edges in the stand-up. And that was what won him the fight. Like, it was it was close, man. Like, like yeah. the, the entirety of the fight was close. It was such a back-and-forth affair. Um, the one thing I was surprised at, that it was actually a unanimous, unanimous decision. I thought it would have been a split decision. That was the thing I was surprised at in this fight. Yeah, it was it was really a very back and forth fight, and uh, yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, I, I agree. Uh, it was it was as close as you can get. Both guys in a lot of trouble, but Wood yeah. Wood just uh, I thought took control in that third round and was able to you know secure it. Um, he he dropped him with a knee that seemed to uh, in turn that the tides a little bit in his favor in that third round. Uh, he's on a three fight winning streak and and looking great doing so fighting tough competition like feely uh good to see uh our canadian mike malott in the corner they're both from team alpha male uh malott said um, that was his only commitment to the ufc uh you know in the fight game now he plans to take a few months off because he's been on you know so many training camps lately and then he said i'm going to come back and you're going to see me uh really soon so nice to see him uh support his teammate and uh, unfortunately, Feely took the loss, but uh, didn't take too much of a step back because he looked really good. And there was this was as yeah tough as tough and close of a battle as you're ever going to see. Exactly right. Like he yeah he, he doesn't lose much with this loss because they they were pretty pretty equal in quality, both yeah. fighters. Right. So and and anybody could have won this fight. It just happened to be Wood this time. Another really good fight on the card was the middleweight battle between Paul Craig and Andre Muniz. Uh, these two guys are both submission specialists, and uh, I was excited. I was really shocked when I heard Paul Craig was moving down from the light heavyweight division to take on a ranked guy in the middleweight division, and I didn't see Paul Craig as ever being you know, able to make that middleweight, but he was able to drop down. Uh, one of the most intense stare downs I've ever seen before a fight. Uh, they yeah. came to the middle and were just nose to nose and uh, growling at each other. It was really cool. It amped me up for this battle. And uh, Muniz had a really good first round, uh, looked pretty dominant at times. And then Paul Craig uh, did the type of stuff that he's really known for. And uh, holy crap, uh, he ended up getting this victory. Uh, getting some massive elbows to uh, finally 
full force damn overheady to finish this off. And uh, yeah, this was uh, another one of those fights that I, I'm going to remember for a long time. And I'm gonna, I, I really enjoyed it. No, it was a great fight. Great fight by two ground specialists that didn't obviously start on the ground right away. No. They, they, they stood up. They, st- they had their stand up in the first round. And then in the second round, Craig was like, oh, eventually we're going to have to go to the ground here. So, And then once he did, I believe he almost got a darts choke. Yes. But that didn't that didn't get through. And then he decided, you know what? Screw the chokes and the subs. I'm just going to elbow you into oblivion. Yeah, and that's, and that's exactly what he did, yeah. and he got the win. So that and that's the problem with Paul Craig. You go down in the mat, either he's going to take one of your limbs home as a trophy, or he's going to elbow your head into oblivion. It's it's like one or the other. Yeah, but that guy, like when you go to the mat with him, I've always felt with Paul Craig. I think your best right, your best chance of beating him is on the feet. Just don't even bother going to the mat. Don't, yeah. don't even try going there. I wouldn't bother, but. Work. Yeah, Muniz ended up going for a, a triangle choke. He went for an arm bar. Oh, he uh, was trying for, you know, sub submissions like he's known for. But, uh, you know, once, once uh, uh, Craig was able to get some dominant position, and uh, like you said, he went for the darts, couldn't couldn't quite get to the, the side he needed to, thought, okay, I, I'm just going to rain down some elbows, and boom, uh, that was it. Um yeah, you know, I was I was really surprised. Uh, he was on a huge heater. He won. He had beat uh, you know four guys in a row: uh, uh, Shogun, Jamal Hill, the Krylov. Then he came upon Bolkan Ozdemir, won, a, lost the decision. Then he got knocked out by Johnny Walker, and then okay, that was it. I, I'm moving down and wait. That was really surprising to me, but he still looked great. And uh, yeah, I, I'm interested to see where he goes from here. He stays down there. He's ranked number nine as a middleweight. He Muniz was fourteen. Uh, uh, oh, Craig was number nine as a light heavyweight. Now he's number fourteen as a middleweight. So um, yeah, I'm interested to see who they will start matching him up with now. Yeah, I'm interested to see that too. I, I'm, but again, I'm like you. I was kind of surprised that he was still able to make the weight yeah. because. He was pretty lean as a light heavyweight anyways, yeah, right? So I, I'm looking at him going, where did the other 20 pounds, Where? how did you lose that? Like, where where did it come from, yeah, right? Yeah. But oh. he still looked really good. Like, he didn't look, like, overly gaunt. No, not at all. Yeah. No. no, I so. think it's great. Yeah, really surprising. Okay. Um, Jai Herbert, uh, Ferez, the smile killer, Zayam. Uh, tell me about your thoughts about this fight. Well, first off, they both had like pretty much like the same uh, physical makeup. Like it looked like they were looking in the, looking in a mirror as they were trying to punch each other in the face, which I found that was amazing. Um, again, I thought this was a very very close fight. Um, a lot of the fight happened along the fence because it's almost as if they just kind of fell into a grappling match along the fence. A lot of this fight. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, I believe Zayam had the advantage when it came to distance with the strikes. He had just a slight advantage with the striking. Um, whenever they were in close, they Zayam had great knees. Um, yeah, I, I I just thought he got the better of Herbert within the exchanges. Yeah, for sure. 
Yeah, most of the fights seem to just take place in a grappling, uh, mm-hmm. you know, up against the cage, clinch mm-hmm. work and stuff. And so, um, yeah, we'll uh, we'll have to. Yeah, it, 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 I wasn't. I didn't love it. It wasn't the super most exciting fight, but um, oh. yeah, it, uh, it it was a grind out battle. Uh, something's r- seriously wrong with Zayam's foot. Um, I think he broke his foot pretty severely. So um, he's going to be off for a while. Um, yeah, there was some, uh, I saw some footage of it and it looks um, like it's very, very badly broken. So, uh, yeah. you know, it'll take a long time to recover. Um, got to see uh, another English fighter, Lerone Murphy from Manchester, uh, keep his undefeated record intact. Got a decision win over Josh Kulabau. Uh, I'm impressed with Murphy. I like what he brings. Uh, this was, um, yeah, this was a a good, good victory for him decision, but I I wish he would have made the finish, but I thought he was dominant, uh, in the fight. Yeah. He he almost had it, uh, again with a Darce choke attempt at the end in round three, almost locked that up, but didn't get that quite, quite locked in. Um, Kulabau did well in the stand-up, but where he definitely uh, lost the fight was within the grappling exchanges. Murphy was the stronger grappler throughout the entirety of the fight, Um, and that was just the one thing that Kulabau couldn't couldn't match him in in this fight. Yeah, Yeah, Murphy was able to get the back quite easily once he got a takedown, was able to get the hooks in and and had control, and, uh, you know, there was was definitely... uh, a level of experience it looked like to me for uh murphy being a better better grappler uh when that fight got to the ground it was murphy's for sure uh okay talk about the fight that kicked off the main card uh daniel marcos gets a decision victory over davy grant yeah uh i thought marcos had great counters great counters you know what let me let me start again i actually thought grant won this fight Okay, I actually, I actually thought Grant won this fight because I thought Grant was the more assertive person trying to go forward in round three. Yeah. Because um, like he was actively trying to hunt down Marcos. One of the one thing that I, I found that was interesting was Marcos, incredibly patient fighter, didn't waste strike striking opportunities, was incredibly efficient, but at the same time didn't throw a ton either. Right. Didn't throw a ton. Yeah. But he was very, very hard to find. Like, I I thought Grant was struggling to try to find this guy to hit him. Sure. And it, it just, and that's just the way that this fight went. Like, it was, it was, it wasn't the fact that both guys weren't trying to fight each other. They were, they were doing that, but just missing, like a lot. And especially in, in Grant's case, because yeah. I thought that Marcos was just incredibly elusive and hard to hit. And then that Marcos was very good at doing countering. He's yeah. very good at countering Grant whenever he came in. I had Grant winning as well. I had it uh, two rounds to one for Grant, 29-28 on my scorecard. So, yeah, it was disappointing uh, that the judges didn't see it that same way. But uh, that's the way it it goes if you take it to the d- judges' scorecards, which I don't like. I don't like decisions. Uh, there's there's some that I, I, I can handle, but most of the yeah. time, just get the finish. Don't. Don't leave it to those idiot, those three idiots' hands, because uh, they're gonna mess it up way more than they're gonna get it right. 
Yeah, exactly. Because we've seen them mess up more times than we can ever count. Yeah. And when they get it right. Uh, the fight of the night was Danny Roberts, Johnny Parsons, which was the feature fight on the prelims. Um, this was a great battle. Really good. Uh, very unpopular, obviously, uh, in the crowd. And especially after he called out Patty Plim Pimblett when he won. Uh, they pretty much booed him heavily until he left the arena. Uh, Parsons got, they both got 50K for this. And uh, for Parsons' debut, uh, pretty impressed. Hate his mullet, but like his fighting style. Yeah, yeah, this, it's, that mullet was interesting. But um, yeah, he, I, 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 I love this fight. I love this fight because it's like both of these guys were willing to stand up and go to war. Um, Parsons had great a great kicking game a great kicking game and also too he was very good at cutting off the octagon yeah. like he wasn't really following roberts he was cut, cutting off the octagon constantly going forward um had great elbow strikes uh off off of uh off of the break like when they, when they come into the clinch and then once they tried to separate he had great elbow strikes off of that yeah um and then yeah he he won by TKO. Now, do you think, actually, this is what I wanted to get to. Was it too early of a referee stoppage in this fight? Yeah, yeah. I, I would have I would have let it play out for sure. Me too. That's yeah. the one thing. I yeah. I know he was close to, to stopping it, Yeah. but I would have let it go. I would have let it go, man. Yeah. It, it, it's, it says 457 on the... Timer. It was like four fifty nine. I thought, Fine. and yeah, you know, exactly. I, I would have let it go another round. Uh, that would have been, uh, you know, my preference. This is Jason Herzog again. Uh, we're talking about him for the tw uh, second time on this podcast, yeah. and you know, I thought he uh, he shouldn't have, have stopped it there. I think Roberts was he was rocked. He was in in trouble well, a little bit, but I don't think to the point where he couldn't continue. Yeah, and so that's why I give Roberts. Like I think he was kind of right in 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 the fact that he was talking to Herzog saying you shouldn't have stopped the fight. Yeah. Like I I would give it I give I'm giving Roberts that because yeah. I wouldn't have stopped the fight myself. It's it's two three seconds, man. Because like if two three seconds, so you stop the fight, fight's over. But he can go back to his uh, his corner, possibly recover. Because if he can't recover, then the fight's going to be over anyways in the third round, right? Yeah. But if he can't recover, then he still has a chance to win the fight. Yeah. So I, I don't know if I would be taking that away. That's no, I wouldn't have. I definitely wouldn't have. No, he he deserved a, a third round. He fought a great fight. There was a slobber knocker. I wrote down slobber knocker. <laughs> and somebody put it on the Twitter feed on the corner about uh, you know 30 seconds later. I'm like, hey, that you took my words right in my wall. That was my words. This was, and I love, I love Parsons' uh, nickname. It's, it's the Slugger Knot, you know, and uh, so it's a slobber knocker from the Slugger Knot, and uh, yeah, this was one of those fights that I loved. Uh, I'll never, I'll never forget also the delayed reaction on the one knockdown that Roberts had. Uh, yeah, he, get, that was he gets weird. struck, and then he's standing there, and all of a sudden he just goes down, and everybody's like, "Hey, where'd that come from?" But it was just a delayed reaction because he had been hit on the temple. And yeah. uh, he was standing there for a couple seconds before it really hit him. Yeah. Yeah. No, I remember seeing that and going, wait, what did he get hit with? Because I'm like, maybe I thought I, I missed something because I'm like, oh, 
he just just kind of went and it just fell over and i'm like hey that was weird (laughs) that's totally weird yeah super funny but yeah as i said parsons uh should have uh probably not called out pimblet in front of his uk crowd pimblet was cage side and uh he got booed mightily he was definitely the yeah the uh most hated guy on the entire night and it didn't uh yeah it went over like a lead balloon for sure it was pretty pretty bad call out um okay uh joel alvarez ended up getting a uh a late submission win and second round over mark jacasey um let's see what did i write oh the uh the thing that uh i wrote about this was there was a clash of heads and yeah. uh, it wasn't noticed by Dan Mulvahedi. Uh to Casey had sort of, uh, you know, it, it sh- tried to make note of it by saying, Hey man, we just rocked heads. I'm, I'm rocked here. Hey, give me a chance. And Mulvahedi didn't see it. Uh, no. Unfortunately, it led to the beginning of the end to the fight. Uh, a choke was sank in had an arm choke and uh, got the win. Um, this is where the UFC is dropping the ball at times where they should be able to go to a replay and say, oh, okay, let's let this guy recover, see if he can recover five minutes and, and start this again. This shouldn't have you know, been the result because we should be able to go to replay and say, hey, that's not fair. Let's give him some time to recover. If he can, we'll, we'll start the fight again. Yeah, yeah, because I, I, I kind I agree with you a hundred percent because Dia Casey was doing great up until that point. They both were, yeah. but um, I, I don't think Alvarez should have got the win because there was the headbutt. If anything, this, this fight should have been a no contest. Yeah, yeah, that, that I, I definitely felt that, and I was like, I don't know, because at the end of the fight too, uh, apparently, like, um. The judges and like you know the regulators were coming together to figure out exactly what they should do. So yeah. at least there was discussion, yeah. but I didn't yeah. I didn't like that the discussion actually didn't go anywhere. Like it yeah. is yeah, basically that was, no, no, that's that's the result and whatever. So uh, unfortunately, uh, you know, I have to call Jason Herzog one more time, third time <laughs> on this car because he was the replay official. Oh, yes. And, you know, once they had a discussion, once he came into the mix, I don't know how he couldn't see it either being a no contest or the possibility of, of I don't know. I don't know if the rules allow to restart it after something like that. But, you know, I think I think Jacasey has all the right to appeal this and maybe yeah. have it a no contest. So it's not a loss on his record. Um, but, yeah, it um, it just left a bad, a bad taste in my mouth that. You know, this this shouldn't have went this way and you know ended up producing the result of a loss for Jacasey, who was who was doing great until boom, he got he got headbutted. It was it didn't look intentional, but it still really rocked him. No, exactly. No, like he was he was super affected by it, right? You could tell. Like he was you just he was not the same fighter after that happened. And Alvarez took advantage of that as he should and got the finish, but at the same time. No, it shouldn't have. It shouldn't have ended that way. Shouldn't have got the win. Should have been a no contest. Yeah. There was a few headbutts in this uh, yeah. on this card. Uh, really bad one. Be- it happened twice actually between Brian Barbarino and Mahmoud Muradov. Uh, oh yeah. 
There was a, yeah, a few headbutts in the fight. Um, somebody got a got a point taken away immediately. I'm trying to remember who that was, but um, yeah, the, the headbutts had re reared their ugly head, as they say, and it wasn't good. Uh, but I do want to mention uh, Mick Parkin uh, getting as you a win in his UFC debut, seven and zero. Um, really nice performance. Uh, he is a training partner of Tom Aspinall. And I think uh, Aspinall has the ability to raise this guy to a, uh, a high level. Uh, nice to see a performance against a tough guy in Jamal Pogues. Uh, nice debut. And, um, yeah, look out for this Mick Park, and I think he's going to be pretty good. Yeah, great technical striking, great boxing, great uh, distance management. Uh, yeah, he did a lot of things very, very well. Um, and... You could tell that he's fighting with an upper echelon heavyweight in Tom Aspinall because he looked fantastic. He looked yeah. really, really good. Very I loved, sharp. I loved his his uh, movement. I loved his defense. Uh, I thought uh, even was able to um, uh, get some really good calf kicks that just yeah. were taking the strength from Pogues away and and uh, you know to to get a, a you know fifteen rounds in your US, or fifteen minutes three rounds in your UFC debut. I thought it was good for him, and he was able to really show me a lot, show probably the UFC a, a lot that, uh, yeah, this guy's a good prospect. And, uh, you know, when you're when you're battling a guy like Aspinall every day in, in the gym, uh, you know, it's only going to make you better. Yeah, definitely. It's only going to make you better. And it made him very much prepared for this fight because Pogues was actually very good. It was actually a very, very good fight. Um. Okay, uh, Brian Barberine is a, a gamer, uh, you know, in, in, in for uh, big, big fights all the time. Uh, that's why he's called Bam Bam. He's been in tons of wars, and he's always there. But uh, I thought Mahmoud was better. Uh, two really bad headbutts in this one. And, uh, man, I I hated seeing, uh, you know, that happen. But uh, Muradov was, uh, yeah, to me, he was the better fighter. And. And showed it in many ways. Yeah, yeah. He he got the better in his uh, combination of strikes. Definitely got the better of him in the grappling exchanges. Uh, like Barbarina was able to get up a lot of times, pop back up. Yeah. But Moradov dragged him, drug him back down to the mat. Yeah. Many, many times. Over yeah. and over again. So uh, that's where I thought he won the fight. Yeah, the headbutts were pretty bad. But at least they gave them time to recover in this particular fight. So that was, at least that was the good thing, but definitely Muradov, great win on his part, great grappling. That's what won the fight. Yeah. Uh, women's bantamweight fight, Kaylin Vieira gets a nice decision win. She's number four. Uh, we'll definitely be fighting, you know, some of the top fighters in that division soon. Um, she was uh, getting some good takedowns, going for, submissions uh just i thought she was uh very dominant in, in two of the rounds and, and deserved this victory for sure yeah yeah definitely again dominated the grappling went for the the kimura submission too numerous times throughout this uh, course of this fight uh kianzad definitely needs to work on her grappling skills i think a lot of it though biera was literally imposed her will she was a stronger fighter and was able to just keep her down in the mat whenever she went down to the mat so 
After uh, Myra Buonasilva won last week, uh, we started talking about her being the next up uh, after Juliana Pena, Rocky Pennington fight for the belt. Uh, I think Vieira has all the right to call this out as she's the next because they actually rank her number three now ahead of Silva. And so, um, yeah, that, that might be next. We had sort of already given Silva that, that next fight, but um, I, I think Caitlin sort of with this, uh, you know, moves into that mix and uh, has even maybe more of a right to ask for that title shot next. Yeah. Or, or they could do it like the, the Pennington, uh, Pennington versus Pena and then Vieira versus Bueno Silva. Silva and then, and then the winners of both those. Yeah. But, yeah, yeah, good call. Um, okay, we've got to fly through the rest, but uh, <laughs> any any other guys that you want to uh, make special mention of? Uh, the first fight. Uh, the first fight, I just wanted to say for Philo versus uh, Berez. Uh, great, great finish by uh, Philo with the arm triangle finish. Um, Berez did look good on his feet up until he got taken down. And then all of a sudden I saw this. Oh, he doesn't know how to grapple. <laughs> he, he, didn't, he doesn't have that part of his game yet. So yeah. that's clearly something that Perez is going to have to have to work on and figure out because once he went down to the mat, because him on his feet looked fantastic. Yeah. Went down to the mat, had nothing. That's true, nothing. yeah. Well, I, I saw Mark Goddard almost stopping in the first round. He, yeah. had, he had landed some really crazy body shots to Filio. And uh, dropped him. Goddard came a couple climbs close, getting in there looking. Should I stop it? No, I'm not going to. Oh, oh. And then uh, he was able to stand back up. And then once he got to the ground and he got control, yeah, uh, unfortunately, Perez doesn't have that game. Uh, great comeback win, though. Man, I thought Pelio was was out of this fight and wasn't going to be able to, to take the victory. But he came back and did. And it was a nice way to, uh, to kick off the card. Uh, he's got a great team, uh, too. Jacare Souza is one of his main grappling partners, and I think um, that's only going to help him a ton. Uh, I do want to mention Shauna Bannon uh, came in undefeated. A lot of hype about her. She's got an incredible kickboxing career uh, in her rearview mirror, and she came in with a ton of hype. Um, she is a world champion, a, a kickboxer. But unfortunately, uh, took the loss in her in her um, debut. Uh, she wasn't able to handle the takedowns of Brazil, and usually a Brazilian uh, named Brazil is going to be great at grappling. Yeah. And you got to learn that game if you want to go forward. And uh, Bannon didn't, so back to the drawing board. Uh, I'm sure she'll come out uh, even stronger next time. Yeah, yeah, she'll come out better next time, but. Uh... Brazil definitely um, uh, got the better of her in this one, especially with the grappling aspect. Okay, let's um, – uh, oh, I did want to mention the toughness of Yanel Ashmuz, the Israeli fighter against Chris Duncan. Uh, Ashmuz blocked a kick early on, broke his arm, uh, knew it right. right away, couldn't throw it for the rest of the fight, but – uh, lasted the whole 15 minutes, uh, only had one arm, but uh, still lasted that whole entire fight. Knew he broke it, but he wasn't giving up and uh, tried to get it out. Uh, took the loss, but man, another uh, example of toughness there. 
Yeah, yeah. No, he, he, he exemplified toughness. A lot of other people just would have like taken the easy way out and just like, all right, I'm just going to take strikes and just call it a day. I did like the fact that Ash Moves got pissed with his corner and said, I can't even – what do you want me to do? You want me to throw combinations? I can't even move this arm. <laughs> yeah. I thought – I lost. I lost your. I lost. I lost your audio. Better. Yes. There you go. Okay. Yeah. I I figured out how to quick how to quickly figure that out. But anyways, so yeah, like I I, I get it why he was so incredibly frustrated with his own like corner because he's just like oh man, arms broken, can't use it. Can't. All right. Yeah. <laughs> it's not it's not gonna work. So. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that was um, that was crazy that they were um, yeah, arguing, were trying to get him to do it, and he's like, he got a little, he got a little pissed off with him, didn't he? Oh no, no, he got super pissed, and I, and I understand why because he's like, listen, how I many of you guys have fought with a broken arm? <laughs> yeah, yeah, really hard. Okay, so let's come up with a different game plan than whatever you're saying. That's yeah. not, it's not gonna work. Yeah, crazy. Uh, okay, let's quickly uh, preview the UFC 291. Uh, great card. Um, unfortunately, it's in stinking Utah, and it, it is <laughs> up against the Spence Crawford fight. So not as excited about it as I used to be. Uh, and unfortunately, we did lose the fight between Paula Costa and Ikram Aliskarov. Uh, unfortunately, they've canceled that altogether. Costa is now going to face Kamzat Chemaev in UFC 294 in October. Um, oh. so, so that was um, announced. Uh, El Eliskarov is now fighting Nazardine Imovov. Um, so unfortunately, that fight came off the books. But um, there's still uh, a lot of great fights. Obviously, the BMF belt. Main event between Dustin Poirier, Justin Gaethje. The uh, 2018 battle that they had was one of the, my favorite fights of all time. Uh, I don't see this one disappointing at all. I don't see it disappointing at all. The only thing I see as a difference between these two fighters this time around, I think they're going to be a little bit more cautious yeah. before they throw caution to the wind. Right. Like, I, I think if they if they do decide to throw caution to the wind, that'll be in the fourth or fifth the fourth or fifth round. Right. First two, first one, two, and three rounds, they're they're going to be cautious because they both know it's like, okay, you can hurt me, I can hurt you. It's, it's that's documented. We know yeah. this, yeah. so I th I think they're going to take their time. Gaethje has been a lot smarter than his early days. Um, he used to just, you know, uh, take as many as he would land and mm -hmm. and really not, uh, you know, care about getting hit. Uh, his his corner and his people and probably his family has said. All right, you know, <laughs> you can use defense. You can't avoid getting hit. You can't avoid shots. So he's fighting smarter. And yeah, you're right. I think that's what the way it's going to go. Uh, but I, I look forward if it goes four or five rounds to some super amazing war uh, in the in the later rounds. Yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I agree with you on that. I look forward to this fight. And if anybody's going to fight for that belt, that particular belt. Yeah, these two are very much worthy of that belt. Yeah. Um, and the uh, main uh, co-main event should be really great. We've got uh, the uh, 
former light heavyweight champion Jan Blahovich welcoming the newcomer to the division, Alex Pereira. Uh, this should be a really good 205-pound matchup. We saw what Blahovich did to Adesanya when he tried to come up. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what he uh, what he can do and, and handle Alex Pereira. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see if he actually decides to stand up a little bit with them or he just goes, you know what, I'm not even going to bother with that. Just take it out Maybe. right away. Yeah. Yeah. And and I, I could see him doing that because that's the path of least resistance. Yeah. Um, I, and I'm, I'm very curious to see how Pereira's uh, power translates to the heavier divisions too as well. Yeah. Um, really looking forward to the other Pereira, Michelle Pereira, facing Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. These two guys are dynamic strikers, really good at distance. We've got the uh, karate guy against the capoeira guy. Uh, should be really cool. Should be an amazing battle. Yeah, should be a great battle. Um, I think uh, Wonder Boy is definitely like, no, I want you to do the fancy kick so I can counter you. So, yeah, yeah, no, do all of that. Do all of that. Because I'm, I'm very sure that Thompson's ready to counter whatever sort of crazy thing he's going to do. Yeah. He's got something for him. Ferguson, Bobby Green. Could be the BMF title as well. These guys are yeah. great, and they bring it. Yeah, they bring it. I uh, love Bobby Green. Love Tony Ferguson. Um, they're, they're, this is going to be an extremely entertaining fight because they're going to make it an extremely entertaining fight. Uh, and then uh, Michael Chiesa, Kevin Holland. Uh, love Holland. Uh, hope he uh, steps out and has a great fight. I'm looking forward to the heavyweight battle between Derek Lewis and Marcos Rogerio de Lima. And, uh, yeah, a ton of great, great fights on this card. Um, it's going to be fun. It's going to, yeah, it's going to be great, great fights, man. I'll, I, I, I don't know. I, it'd be great if I could watch both of them, the UFC and the boxing, yeah. same time, but you can't. You got to pick one. So, yeah. It, uh, I'll end up watching, well, obviously, both of us are end up watching this at some other time, but, um, yeah, I, I'm still I'm still very excited about the boxing. Sorry, sorry, UFC. Still yeah. very excited. I actually think we could pull it off. Uh, we could probably watch both at the same time. So maybe we'll uh, we'll figure it out. I'll, I'll, I'll come up with a game plan. We'll watch. Okay. We'll, we'll have we'll have the you know main attention focused obviously on main event and the boxing. Yeah, yeah. I don't I don't even know much about the the card leading up to the main event in the boxing. So you know. Right. Well, let's uh, let's see if we can pull it off, and we'll have both of them at the same time. I love I love your greedy nature. So yes, let's do it. Let's <laughs> let's see if we can figure it out. I love it. <laughs> uh, one final note: uh, Charles Oliveira is now fighting Islam Makachev uh, for the belt. Uh, Oliveira had a great showing here in Vancouver. And uh, is now getting to fight for the belt against um, who many consider the number one pound for pound guy in the world in Islam Makachev. Uh, I'm I'm actually very excited about this fight. I'm pretty pumped, man, because like now that he's had experience and he knows what he needs to work on to defeat this guy, right? So I, I I'm I'm curious to see what his game plan, his new game plan will be for Islam Makachev because he's not going to come out the same way as he did the first time. It's going to be completely, completely different. Totally, yeah, totally. Uh, I did forget to mention that Paul Craig called out Bo Nickel 
have oh, right. uh, his fight. Well, that'll be fun. Uh, hopefully they make that happen. I don't know if, uh, you know, the UFC wants to do that to a prospect. Uh, <laughs> you know, so young, maybe we'll risk it getting his arm broke or something. But, uh, yeah, that, that, that would be kind of cool if they make it happen anyway. That would be kind of cool, but I can also see them saying no. <laughs> no, we're not going to make that fight. No, no, no. You're not. You're not going to get that guy yet. No. Yeah. No. We're um, going to. He's. He's. He's got to have a couple more fights, Paul. Sorry, he's off limits. You're, you yeah. can't touch him yet. You can't touch him. The uh, the war of words between Paulo Costa and Kamzat Chemaev have already started, and Kamzat uh, has vowed to make him cry, and uh, he said, uh, "This guy couldn't even." Hold a candle to me. The guy's not even Brazilian. He's fake. And uh, I don't know what Costa's going to throw back at him, but uh, it's already heating up uh, only a day or two into making this announcement. Uh, so I, I like the fact that, that this is where the sort of fighters are going now. Like, it's like, no, I'm the real African here. It's like, no, you're not even Brazilian. It's like, pretty sure I was born there. So <laughs> I think I am. <laughs> you know, like, it, 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 it's funny. It's funny to me, but it garners attention. Cool stuff. Um, I think this definitely, that fight between uh, Chemayev and Costa will come down to, can Costa stay upright? Yeah. Can he fight off his takedown attempts? Because like, if he can't fight off that guy's takedown attempts, he's going to have a long, long Big night. Trouble. Yeah, no kidding. Big trouble. Okay, man. Well, that was awesome. Uh, fun as always. Um, I guess I do want to mention at the end, uh, what did you think about this running back meeting, uh, NFL running back meeting that they had over the weekend? Uh, they're all concerned. They're all crying collusion, and uh, they don't know what to do as their salaries keep getting uh, depressed and down and down and down, and they become less relevant in this game. Uh, they're not sure what to do about it. Um, it's, it's become so concerning that, uh, you know, almost every running back, the top running back I, I've got listed here, all got together to figure this out. Uh, do you think there's any way they can figure this out and uh, change the direction that it's been going in? It's weird, right? Because, it, and I get it from the owner's perspective, which is, Somehow it's worked in a way where they can get the most out of these running backs out of their prime years when they first enter and then discard them. Literally just discard them. It's like, ah, man, we got all your best years already, your four or five years, and now you're – get out of here. We don't need you anymore. We're just going to get another new young guy that can just do that thing again. Like, I don't know what – the answer is i think one of one of the ways that they can combat it is they got to change the cba yeah. um so that running backs you can't like you can't give them the franchise tag for two years in a row because that's what they will do they'll just franchise tag you okay so you got like your contract for three years franchise tag you for two more years and then send you on your way right. i think what they should do with the cba now and especially in regards to running back Maybe they say you can't franchise tag running backs yeah. anymore. Wow, that might be amazing. Yeah, like like think of that. Like if yeah. now you're not allowed to franchise tag them, yeah, then you're going to have to pay them. Right. Yeah. Right. 
So maybe so that's what I was thinking. Like just take the franchise tag away from that position because that position seems to be the one that they're being able to take advantage of. So just not be able to franchise tag them. Yeah, I think yeah, that would be nice if they can change that wording and stuff. And yeah. Uh guys like McCaffrey, who is so good at catching balls out of the backfield. Uh yep. he said maybe we get rid of the label of a running back it's just more of an offensive player because you're you know you're a receiver and you're a running back uh guys like nick chubb said you know this is brutal like they use me like a crazy amount and i get about two thousand yards and then they say oh he's worn down uh we gotta move on and get somebody else to handle the workload and he's like you know what am i supposed to do refuse you know as much touches and yeah. try to you know break that two thousand yard barrier. Do I want to suppress it so that they think okay he's still got a year or two left? We'll keep him around. Uh, I get two thousand yards and suddenly oh don't want to keep that guy. Don't want to touch that guy. See you later. And uh, there's just so many uh, negative things that are coming at running backs year after year. And and uh, it's crazy. They're they're getting paid three million dollars less than they were five six years ago on a franchise tag which is not the way that any other exactly. of the salaries yeah. are going in the NFL. We've seen in that span, um, we've seen the uh, the quarterback uh, franchise tag almost double in size. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's, it's really weird. I'm, I'm amazed at how many of the top guys got together to have this and, and try to figure it out. Cause uh, you know, there, there might be some collusion there that we've seen, uh, yeah. We saw Saquon Barkley have a bounce back year last year and and just not even be able to get a sniff from anybody, not get a franchise extension. He's on a $10 million salary. Uh, guys like Josh Jacobs, same deal. Uh, you know, Derek Henry's pissed off. Austin Eckler was the guy that organized this because he said he just wasn't getting anything, uh, you know, resembling offers from anybody. He was only able to get a new contract that had was almost all incentive laden where he can make more money, but it has to be, you know, on a certain amount of carries yardage catches, mm-hmm. all this kind of thing. Yeah. It's, it's a, uh, it's kind of crisis mode for running backs in the NFL right now. And, and that's a good way of going about it. What you suggest, uh, hopefully they can find some common ground to, you know, not make their uh, position sort of irrelevant in the salary cap structure. And, uh, they might start losing a lot of young guys wanting to get into the NFL, uh, realizing that you know their their salaries are very limited and their careers are very very short. Well, I think that's exactly what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. It's like I think that's what the owners are going to push some of these players to do, which is, oh, I, I'm you know what I'd be held a running back, but since if I get to the highest level and I'm not going to be compensated or get paid, get it, I'll just be a safety. Or yeah. I'm just going to be a wide receiver. So then, what is what's definitely going to happen if they keep going along this route, this path, is that you're just not going to get the athletes to be running backs anymore. Yeah, yeah, it's not, yeah. It's yeah. not going to get those guys anymore. It becomes so. tougher and tougher. Uh, there was a story over the weekend that didn't help the running backs' cause. Naheem Hines was out on a jet ski and somehow got hit by another jet ski uh, that. Blew out his knee severely, missing the entire season. Has to undergo surgery this week and uh, put on the shelf. Just 
having a little fun on a lake. Uh, not great. Not a good move. And uh, really kind of screws Buffalo right, uh, you know, as they're trying to secure uh, all the get pieces around him. Uh, he goes out and gets hurt like this. Um, yeah, not a not a good look. No, no. And usually don't they have like stuff written in their contract? Like you can't do things that could be detrimental to your health like no. that. No. <laughs> it's like, Cause it's just kind of like, Oh no, dude, dude, next time just go on the inner tube. Just, yeah. Be safe. <laughs> just, you know, yeah, just be safe. Yeah. Forget the jet ski. You, you can wait another couple, two, three years from now and to get on a jet ski. I think, I don't think you're addicted to jet skis, so stay away. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Like, I, I did see that. I saw that, and I'm just like, oh, man. It's, I get being young and just having fun, but, you know, like, at the same time, you do have a responsibility because yeah. of the amount of money you're you, you being compensated for to not do those things. It's like, yeah. that's, that's fun, right? You're not allowed to do that. No, don't do that, Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, I think his agent, manager, family, teammates, everybody was like, oh, what are you thinking? What are you doing? And yeah. that's why they do put those kind of clauses in those contracts. Yeah, exactly. So they, they're, they're trying to protect you and protect themselves, but also to protect your, protect your well-being. Yeah. Okay, well, uh, hey, man, this is a great podcast as always. Uh, looking forward to seeing you over the weekend. Let's watch USC. Watch some amazing boxing. Spence Crawford, uh, you know, years. We've been waiting for this for years. It's finally happening. Uh, yeah. Fingers crossed they don't get on a jet ski. They don't get in a Ferrari. <laughs> they don't uh, do anything to derail this this week. And they finally get to meet inside the inside the ring. Yeah, I, I, I would assume that they will because the payday that they're both going to get is probably going to be significant. Yeah. I'm looking forward to it and I can't wait to watch it with. You. Yeah, bubble wrap, just bubble wrap with the two guys, just let them walk around in bubble wrap all week. Don't you know, just don't let them do anything, nothing, nothing, nothing to just derail this. Oh man, it would be just heartbreaking if we hear sometime this week or one of the guys gets hurt. Yeah, yeah. No, that would be utterly heartbreaking. So we won't mention that. <laughs> but this is what we will say. Looking forward to a great fight. No. Guys have been training hard. Awesome. Can't wait to see it. Can't wait to see it. Okay, man. Enjoy your rest of your evening, and uh, we'll talk through the week. All right. Sounds good, man. Cheers. All right. Cheers. Take care. Bye for now. Okay. Another edition of Complete Sports Media's podcast has come to an end. Uh, appreciate it so much. Um to Jason, to everyone behind the scenes. Thanks to our incredible team for putting us together, doing all the social media stuff. Um, yeah, it's just things are going gangbusters around here. And uh, yeah, we're going to have a great week ahead, uh, trying to secure some uh, more podcasts for you. And um, yeah, lots of great sports to watch as always. So love you guys lots. Take care of yourself. Thank you very much. Uh, thank you to our partners and sponsors as always. Um, Anchor.fm, the easiest place to make a podcast. I want to thank Verbera, the hockey equipment and apparel company, Pampas and Possibilities, and Forever Living. Uh, amazing products on our website. You can get them at discount rates if you need to. So love you. Take care of yourself. Have a great week ahead, and we will talk to you soon. Bye for now.